This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shervanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. Well, good morning this April 13th, a very rainy April 13th to get the day started. This is the opening kickoff featuring Nick Wiggins behind the glass, myself, and sitting in for Mark Heim today, Mobile Christian uh, High School football coach, good friend of ours, co-host of the SEC Tailgater Show, Ronnie Cottrell. Good morning. Well, how are you today, Lee? Doing wonderful I'm today. I'm proud to be here. Rainy day in. It was like coming through a car wash today for me, but that's okay. Well, it's good to have a little rain, but we got a lot of it today for sure. Nick, good morning. How are you today? Well, you know, any morning it starts off by seeing Lee Shervanian's a good morning, right? Yeah, I, 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 I got to go along or, with at that. At least that's what the script says. That's exactly. <laughs> I wrote it like, and, and what's even more amazing that when I write these scripts, a lot of times my typing is a little off in the morning, so it's hard to read anyway. Okay, uh, should we go through some of the people we have coming on this? What a show we have today. Wow. Well, I can't wait to hear from the Rays guy. What about the Tampa Bay Rays? You're the baseball guy. 12-0 and start. That's uh, one shy of the record. But here's the thing, too. And, and I reached their radio announcer yesterday, Neil Salon, and he's going to join us. Do you know, he? here's a little sidelight. We're not going to get too much in this. He actually, he's a lot younger than me, as everybody is. But he actually worked at the same radio station in New Jersey that I started out as. Now but I was long I was long gone before he came in. Now that's a small world there now. Yes. I did not know that. And he is a New Jersey resident. So but he's now with Tampa. He's been there for a long time. Got this he got this chance to be the everyday announcer. Uh their longtime radio announcer unfortunately passed away uh just recently. So Neil, so he's sitting in on a team that's twelve and zero, and and I'm going to ask Neil, what's more amazing, starting the year at twelve and zero, or the thirty home runs they've hit in the twelve games, which is right among the the records. All right, at seven o'clock, Paul Feinbaum. Do you have much of a relationship with him over the years? Yeah, he, you know, he's the guy that's probably best known of any person here regarding SEC football. And yeah, Alabama. We were extremely close, and uh, he is—he uh, is definitely the guy that's in the know. So I'm really looking forward to that too. All right, and then at 7:30, Eli Gold is back with us. He has been out fighting illness. Gosh, it seems like almost a year now. I can't remember the last time he was with us. He was on every Wednesday, and. Then was hospitalized. I'm going to let him talk about that. But he called me this weekend and said he's ready to get back. He misses it. So Eli is going to join us at 730. 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock, we're going to have Roman Harper. And uh, for the Bama fans, they'll know who he is. He's a former high school player at Prattville High School, played at Alabama, and played for the Saints. Has uh, had a great career there. He's now with the SEC Network. And um I'm really looking forward to talking to him today. And at 8.30, Kenny Trahan, Crescent City Sports, covered the Pelicans last night. Nick, I'm really disappointed. When I went to sleep last night, the Pelicans were doing really well. Update us on the two playoff games last night. 
Well, the Chicago Bulls made an amazing comeback on the Toronto Raptors, so now they're going to play the Miami Heat. The Pelicans are now officially completely out of the playoffs, unfortunately, and so now you're going to have OKC playing Minnesota. So that's where we're at now. Bo the both games were great, very close and competitive. I watched a lot of the Chicago-Toronto game, and it looked like the Raptors playing at home. And, and we ought to point out that the road teams won yesterday. Raptors were doing really well. They had that 19-point third-quarter lead. And then Zach Levine just went on fire. But what happened? We were talking off the air about the uh, DeRozan and his daughter. Yeah, they're saying that she, she needs to be the MVP of the game. So there's actually a highlight clip. I may have retweeted it, but if not, I'll go do it now. Every free throw they took, e even on the TV broadcast, you can just hear this one girl just screaming at the top of her lungs. It sounds like she's in pain or something. And she and the Toronto Raptors ended up shooting 50% as a team from the line. They shot 18 of 36. And right there in like the final minute, they missed a bunch of crucial game-tying free throws, all because of DeMar DeRozan's daughter, and a lot of people were, <laughs> a lot of Bulls fans were hoping that she was going to make the trip to Miami, but unfortunately she will not be. So they won't have that little uh, boost that they had last night. Okay, I'll throw this question. There is no Chick Fil A at stake. The longest playoff run in North American professional sports came to an end last night. Ronnie, do you know which team that was? Yeah, no clue. Do you, Nick? I'm assuming it was one of the NBA teams. That nope, was? it was National Hockey League. Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, gosh. Okay. 16 straight years in postseason. And with the Islanders winning yesterday, that knocked the Penguins out. Ronnie, Nick Saban held a press conference in advance of the scrimmage on Saturday. As somebody who's been associated with football for years and years, quarterbacks, he spent a lot of time talking about Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson. I... We could go back in history, let's say last year, the last two years it's been Bryce Young, prior to that Mac Jones, prior to that Tua. What's it like now for him? And as a coach who's probably been in the situation both ways, I'm assuming it's better when you know who your starter is or do you like this competition? Well, both of those have their own qualities. Both of them are outstanding quarterbacks. Um one is a little more athletic, maybe a run threat. Um, but when you talk to players there, uh, they really like both of the guys. And, uh, you know, the saying in coaching is if you have two quarterbacks, if you're playing two quarterbacks, you don't have one. And um, I don't know that that's true here. I think they're really, really high on Simpson. They think long term. He's the total package quarterback they want. But um, – the other kid got the reps last year. So, um, I don't know. Any time you lose a player of the magnitude of Bryce Young and you lose him, you're going to be worried about who your quarterback is. Now, they've been blessed. They've, they've been stacked in there, like you said, for years. The NFL is full of Alabama quarterbacks right now. But deep down inside, I assure you Nick Saban is concerned about the change at the, at the top at quarterback. So – in this day and age of the portal, do you think a coach like Nick or a coach who basically doesn't, let's say, have a, a definite number one is 
thinking also that, well, whoever wins, the other guy's going to leave? You have to think that in the back of your mind. You're, you're constantly recruiting your players now. But uh, look at Auburn. Let's take Auburn's spring game that was just held, okay? Uh, the dis- all the discussion after spring was not positive about quarterbacks with the fans. And the first thing was said was the Auburn coaches have said that they will be in the portal trying to gain some depth there. That's almost like the NFL. It's almost like roster management in the NFL. But uh, I-, I think in any situation now a quarterback, if he's not playing, will be looking – for an opportunity to go. All right, let's backtrack a little bit. The other day, Nick and I had this conversation about the Hawks' Trey Young. Prior to the playoff game, it came out that ownership had reportedly told management that anybody is fair game to be traded. And the TNT broadcast crew really went hard on this and saying, what a stupid statement to make before your playoff game that even Trey Young could be trade bait, how that might affect him. How does it affect a quarterback let's say Auburn, when after spring practice, the coach says, yes, I'm looking into the portal. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably about like Trey Young felt when they, when they said that. But it's a, it's a new world, Lee. The, the portal and NIL has changed college football forever. And uh, they're going to be – if you're on a college football team, you're going to constantly be recruited over. The process is – is just like the NFL now. You know, NFL guys, professionals go to work every day and they didn't realize that they could be drafted, somebody drafted over them. They, a free agent could come in. Competition is constant. And now it's just moved to the NCAA and especially Division One. Do you think it's better for a coach after spring to set the stage and say, he's my quarterback, or to string this thing along? I don't know. I would be uh, – Well, just go by your own experience. That's what I was going to say. I would be personally want to make sure before I name a guy a quarterback that he can be the guy. And, uh, you know, that's – the quarterback position is the worst position in the in any sport. I mean, they get they get all of the credit and all of the blame. They get blame, they get blame for things often that's not them. They also get credit for things that's often not them. But your guy that you put under center – he is your most important guy. He's got to be your leader. He's got to be a guy that everybody accepts. And and uh, so that being said, I think personally I would not be naming a quarterback until, you know, fall camp. But don't you sometimes – okay, let's say you have two quarterbacks and, and none of them has really had the appreciable playing time. Doesn't that ever divisive divide the team at all? Some, it, some want one could, and some want – It could, and, that, and that's happening in Alabama right now. A lot of the kids like uh, – they like the, the new kid, but they also love J- – is his first name Jason? J- Jalen Mel- Jalen. Jalen. Yeah, Jalen. They love Jalen. So both of those guys are, are high-character guys and respected guys. So anytime you have competition like that, until somebody definitively names somebody, uh, then – you know, you're going to have this. But then it goes back to what you said a few minutes ago, Lee. If if you are in a system like the NCAA is now and you define a quarterback, it could lead to a guy leaving too. I mean, it could be, well, they're not committed to me. You know, I'm going in the portal. And um, I don't know. I think the, the portal has absolutely been one of the greatest 
changes, and and I don't mean greatest in a positive way. I mean the the magnitude of what it's done for college football. Ronnie, we're going to take a break. It's uh, 6.15, uh, WNSB Sports Time, raining outside. I guess it's going to rain. We'll find out. We're going to get a weather update, traffic update, and then I'll have a scoreboard, scores last night, basketball, baseball, softball scores. So that's coming up. And then when Ronnie and I get back, we're going to talk more about what's going on in spring training and also bring you up to date on a couple of Mobile Christian players uh, who are well, one's at South Alabama, I know. One's at Alabama. Ronnie will have his take on that. So keep listening. we got a star-studded show, great guests coming up. And we will certainly uh, invite anybody at any time, if you want to weigh in and call uh, 694-1055, any questions to Coach Cottrell about football, college, or high school, even professional. He's ready for you. Hi, this is Bo Manning, my co-producer of Training Days, Rolling with the Tide. And you're listening to WNSP 105.5 Mobile. Wow, he pulls for a three. Got it! Zach Levine coming alive in the second half. Didn't he, didn't he like, score 30, 30 of his points in the second half or something like that, Nick? Uh, uh, some some ridiculous number like that. Yeah, he definitely got most of his points in the second half in that third quarter, fourth quarter comeback. He had a terrific game, and what he did was like, when I watched him, he was constantly driving the lane. Nobody would stop. How, why wouldn't anybody take a charge, step in front of him? I don't know, man. They, they didn't have uh, Kyle Lowry out in Toronto no more. That's what he was known for. All right, uh, we're going to continue talking some uh, football with Ronnie Cottrell. He's sitting in for Mark High. Mark's back tomorrow when we take our championship drive out to UMS Wright. Aid Marks Medicare Insurance Advisors has been in the Medicare business for more than 12 years. He's an independent agent. He works with multiple carriers. He has helped hundreds of individuals in Mobile and Baldwin counties. Now, I bring this name up again because... If you're close, well, even if you're not even close to the age of 65, but you want some information of what's going on with your current coverage, Medicare, he's the guy to talk to. Why? Well, first of all, there's never a fee for his services. That's a good thing. His office is in Daphne, Highway 98. You can go see him, set up a remote meeting, or he can come to you. So if you aren't getting any help on what to do with your insurance, if your company has you enrolling online with no explanation, Aid Marks can help you through the insurance decisions. Give them a call at 463-0031, 463-0031. My guest host today, Ronnie Cottrell, certainly got some vested interest in some of the uh, spring workouts because you have some of your former players competing. Well, Keith Gallman, he was injured last year, really I mean, it, it it devastated him personally because, you know, it was going to be his senior year. But he's back and has had an outstanding spring at South. Uh, Deontay Lawson, uh, who left the fall as a starting inside linebacker at Alabama, is now uh, he's rehabbing. He had another surgery just before spring, so he has not participated in spring. And I think it was more by choice by Coach Saban. He just – wants to make sure they get him ready to go. They're, they're so high on him. 
uh, and he has really matured greatly as a player. I've got one other kid that's in the portal, uh, Andreas Fox, who he played at Stanford, and uh, last year he was a gra- he was a transfer to Fresno State. He was in the portal, and uh, he's in the portal again. He's about to graduate and graduate transfer somewhere here in the southeast. I'm interested to see where he goes. He's a great pass rush guy. And, again, it's another dynamic of what the portal is. Uh, here's a guy that's out there that may could help a guy, help a team get a few sacks. And as you point out about the portal and how it has changed the existing culture of football, we talk to high school coaches all the time who feel that many of their players aren't getting scholarship offers because of the portal. Well, there's no doubt about it. In fact, 30%, probably 30% less high school players signed this year. And uh, hold on, Coach. That's all right. You're playing with your computer? Well, I'm, I'm not any good at it, first of all. Well, I got somebody in there that's pretty good. I'm so not, if you need I'm some not help, any you good can at come all, help but you. The biggest thing about the what has affected college football is the portal in that there's there's a lack of a commitment now. It's, there's not the commitment you once had when you signed to a four-year school. There's always, well, if this doesn't work out, we can, you know, we can go to another school. And uh, competition, it's like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, quarterbacks, you know, you may get that opportunity to go to a major school, but uh, they're going to always, that's such a trigger position for your team. They're always going to be trying to keep, the right guys in there. Look at look at Ole Miss. Look at what Ole Miss did in the portal this year. They had an outstanding. They have an outstanding quarterback who had a year, maybe caliber of a possible All SEC season. But they brought in two quarterbacks. They brought in the starting quarterback from Oklahoma State, who you know all conference type numbers in that conference, and also brought in a five star quarterback. And uh, to me, that's just the, the statement of the way it is now. You're going to always be looking for kids. Now, high school kids are the ones that are affected by it. Uh, that's why I've encouraged, you know, the local legislators to look into junior college football here in Alabama. These kids need a place to go. And hopefully one of the schools here in the state will begin to play. The only school that's ever played Junior college football in this state is Mary Military Institute. So, I don't know. I'm hoping that it, it opens a door for kids all over this state. Yeah, you talked about that the other day with Joe Godfrey right. who sat in. And the two of you are spearheading a movement to try to get junior college football playing here in the state of Alabama. And it's it's always – it's not something we've talked about a lot, but I've always wondered why in Mississippi but not in Alabama. I don't, I'm not sure. Now, years ago, there's legend. There's legend that the NCAA, I'm not the NCAA. Uh, Barrett, Paul Bryant, the head coach at Alabama, and Shug Jordan didn't really want the competition. But it's a different situation totally today. Uh, and Hugh Freeze, I discussed it with Coach Freeze. He says we need it. I've not discussed it with Nick, but I've discussed it with multiple coaches on the Alabama staff, and they feel that it would definitely benefit. I mean, Alabama's known for football. We have two top ten programs uh, consistently at Alabama and Auburn. Uh, South Alabama is is 
is just really skyrocketing, as is my alma mater, Troy. So I think, um, I don't know, I think it would be a good thing. What, and you need the decision to come from where? I think it'll come from. Um, I think it'll come from the board of regents for the the board, the uh, community college board. They're going to have to approve it. Uh, the NCA has to get final. Excuse me. The National Junior College Athletic Association has to be the final say. What about money, though? I, that's the whole process. I mean, the whole deal. When UAB began. Uh, their program, they used athletic fees for students, you know. Uh, they built facilities for athletics with athletics uh, fees. And the students, they love having a football team. It's just the right time of the year. I mean, can you imagine having homecoming without a football program? I mean, you would do it with basketball and baseball. Aren't you kind of surprised that there has not been a, a bluegrass movement on this years ago that it's taken this long and it's you and I'm Joe surprised. that are I'm surprised and it may never happen but you know the community college system in in the state of Alabama is outstanding and uh, I think they they will probably come to the aid of the students here in this state Ronnie Cottrell sitting in for Mark Heim Nick's here so am I and up on deck the radio voice for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, all they've done is win 12 in a row to start this season. The one shy of an all-time Major League record. That's coming up next. It's currently 6.30 WNSP Sports Time. Gave Tampa the early lead and they went on to win nine to seven. Tampa Bay nine, Boston Red Sox seven. Yeah, we don't normally talk about the no. Rays, do we? <laughs> no. Not here in Mobile, Alabama. But congratulations, man. Twelve wins in a row. The eighty-seven Milwaukee Brewers and the eighty-two Atlanta Braves. And I remember the eighty-two Braves. They they had just started TBS and Oh man, what a what a huge streak that was! They made they both made it to thirteen. Do you think they'll make it, Lee? I'm going to let our next guest tell us, okay? Because okay, he's with him every day. Radio voice of the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, Neil Salon. Neil, welcome to WNSP. Good morning. How are you today? Morning. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate did I, it. Did I say your last name correctly? It's close enough. My family has trouble with it, so you're doing great. Give give me the updated version so I get it right next time. Uh, sure, it's Solons. Solons, okay. And you are, as we talked yesterday, he was doing pre-pose for Tampa. He is from New Jersey, which is great, since yeah, I am too. Yeah, I like that. But um, Neil actually took over in uh, for every game, unfortunately, the, the death of one of their radio play-by-play announcers. And what a start to his career. So, Neil, let me ask you, what is more surprising, 12 wins in a row or the number of home runs the Rays have been hitting 30, I think, through the first 12 games? 
I would probably say the homers. I mean, 12-game win streaks are very hard. It actually tied the franchise's uh, win streak all time. Um, but 30 home runs in 12 games is also an historic case. And this was a team that last year I think was 25th out of 30 clubs and home runs hit. They had a lot of guys who were injured last year. Um, and the feeling was a lot of young players who had underperformed and that they would all take a turn for the better and hopefully be healthy. And uh, even with all those things factored in, I, I can't say I expected you know, two, three home runs on average every night. 12-10 today, you'll be the first pitch. Who's throwing today? Jeffrey Springs, who's been uh, an incredible story. Um, you know, he's yet to allow a run in his first two starts. And this is a kid who uh, went to Appalachian State in, in uh, North Carolina, was a senior sign and a $1,000 bonus guy when he was drafted by the Texas Rangers. And at this time last year, he actually was a reliever versus a starter, and they had injuries in the rotation. They, they stretched him out. They moved him in the rotation. He was great. They signed him to an extension in the offseason. Um, and here he is, uh, you know, pitching uh, on a day that could be a story for the franchise. And he actually was with Boston before he was traded to the Rays. So, um, you know, kind of an interesting story there, too. Neil, this is the Rays are just incredible. They're one of the lowest, if not the lowest, uh, payroll team. Uh, even when Ronnie and I were talking about the lineup, you'd be hard pressed unless you're a diehard Rays fan, to name their starting nine. You know, you could look at San Diego, top to bottom, uh, Yankees lineup, Rays lineup. Most people know who these guys are. Very few people know who the Rays are. Who is responsible for putting this team together? I mean, it's a group of people. You know, I, I think it starts with, you know, strong ownership um, and then the ability to hire people who – they believe it. And then Eric Neander has been the president of baseball operations for several years now. He's got a terrific staff beneath him. Um, Eric began here as an intern way back when, and that's how he got started in the organization right around the 08 year um, when the Rays went from the Devil Rays to the Rays and went to the World Series that season. And uh, Kevin Cash has been the manager since 2015, and I, I think – Honestly, I really do feel, and this is not hyperbole, that he's among, if not the best manager in the game. Um, he's extremely consistent day-to-day. -day. So they've had leadership at the top that's been the same. But I also think you don't win without really good players. And while maybe nationally people don't know um, all the individuals in the lineup, the Wander Falcos, the Randy Rosarenas, um, you know, the Brandon Laus, um, they're really good. And, and they headline the lineup, and then there are probably a lot of guys that, that probably should get more headlines, um, but based on the market that you're playing in compared to New York's or the L.A.'s, what have you, get a little less attention, but they're still really good players all the same. Neil, <clears throat> I think this is a life-changing happening for your, this program, and these guys will never forget this run. I hope they get it done. I hope they get to 14 and break the record. You know, you think back of when the Braves uh, made it to 13 and the Brewers did. I just hope for that group of players they get to do it because, like I said, these are life-changing things that you never forget. I would agree with that, um, but I, I also know that this group has much higher aspirations than, than the longest win streak to start a year. I mean, you know, they've been in the playoffs four years in a row now, and, and I think there was a lot of disappointment when this club lost in the first round last year to Cleveland. And I, and I think 
Um, the, the Rays ended up really keeping the core intact. You know, barring two players uh, on the opening day roster, every other player was here last year at some point. So it, I think it's an extremely hungry group. The, the goals are much higher. The goals are not only to get to the postseason, but they have a deep postseason run. And the neat thing about this team is you walk into the clubhouse and you couldn't tell whether this team was 12-0, and 6-6, and or 0-12 right now. Um, they're very, very even keeled. They have a tremendous amount of fun. They play the game the right way. If you watch them, they play with passion. They hustle. They run the bases extremely well. They do all the little things that make baseball um, enjoyable, and they're very, very athletic. So I'm curious how the uh, reaction has been with the fans because Tampa has never been considered one of the hotbeds of baseball fans. Uh, and, and I know some of the reasons. It's where the stadium is located. What's going on with the fan base? Are they really into this now? They definitely are. I mean, it's a buzz. Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter where, whether I'm going to uh, Publix um, to pick up some groceries or just walking through the neighborhood or just seeing people on the way in. Um, there's a buzz. And, you know, I've noticed at the games, too. I think the energy level of the fans has been really, really good. When you're talking April on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, you know, attendance numbers have been up also. And they were during the first homestand. Um, and they also were against the Oakland series, and the Rays haven't played the Yankees yet. You know, the Red Sox on a Monday through Thursday um, is, is, you know, you would figure in April when the kids are still in school, you wouldn't have, um, you know, great energy. But the energy in the building has been fabulous, um, and I hope it just keeps rolling. Hopefully, you know, I think you're going to have ups and downs in a 162-game season. As, as awesome as this run is, I think we all know at some point you're going to go through a rut. It's just the way it is. It's just like life. You have a bad week, a bad day, a bad couple of days. Um, but I think this group is hopefully, you know, as long, as long as they're healthy, is built for the long haul for this season. And, and I think the fans understand that. You know, also, Neil, and I think you're well, well aware of this, Many times, let's say, in their home games, let's say if the Yankees come in, you mentioned the Yankees, maybe even the Red Sox. I don't know about their fan base down there, but I know having attended a Yankees-Rays game years ago, you probably had more fans rooting for the Yankees than the Rays. Has that gone by the boards now where fans are really into their team and it's not so much the opposition? It definitely has changed a lot, Lee. I would say that, you know, last night you didn't hear the, the Red Sox fans even in a 9-7 ball game. Um you know, I, I think part of that is the fact that the Rays, as you played the highlight, jumped on um, Boston and Chris Sale in the very first inning with a three-run homer from Randy Rosarena. Uh, but I think you're, it, it, you know, there were times I remember when it was probably closer to 50-50, and now I would probably say it's more like two-thirds, one-third, or three-quarters, one-quarter for those franchises. And then, you know, when you're playing somebody else, it's it's pretty much almost all race race fans there. Hey, before I let you go, Neil, and we had a, a very nice conversation yesterday. When you were coming through the ranks in minor league baseball, you were up there in Durham, which has become kind of a folklore for minor league baseball because of movies and things like that. What did you take away from announcing games for the Durham Bulls? Uh, you know, it was great. More than anything, it was the people, the, the memories that I had from being there. I mean, you know, I got to see some really talented players. You know, Evan Longoria came through on his way to the big leagues. B.J. Upton, um, you know, David Price, uh, James Shields, and on and on. So there's some really good baseball players that came through that were part of some championship teams, either for the Rays or otherwise. Um, but more than that, it was the people, both my children were born, 
uh, in the Raleigh-Durham area. Um, it, it was a friendly area. It was an area, and still is, and I've got still very good friends um, that I talk to on a regular basis. Um, you know, I, I, it was it was a great place to live, a great place to to start to raise my children. And you know, um, if it were not for the fact that I always major league baseball, I probably could have stayed there forever. Do they still have that bull out in the right field and <laughs> on the scoreboard? <laughs> It, it, it's, it actually in in, um, in in Durham now. It's in left field. So the the yeah, hit bull Wednesday is there. Um, the smoking the, the the bull with with the smoke and the and the you know with the horns lighting and then the eyes lighting up. That's still there. That's all part of it. Um, uh, but they you know the other neat thing is they're owned by a company called Capital Broadcasting, um, which owns a, a lot of radio and te- television stations. But they also the smart thing they did. Was when they reconfigured Durham Bulls Athletic Park, the current place that they're at. Um, they also made sure that they bought the real estate around the park and developed it. And you know, for a for a AAA team, for a minor league team, it's one of the neatest downtowns you're ever going to find. Uh, so, if any of your listeners are traveling in that area, um, it's a great foodie town. Um, there's a lot of great places to eat and enjoy, and there's a, a you know a theater right near the ballpark, a lot of hotels. Great walking around area, too. Hey, Neil, I really enjoyed having you on. I hope we'll get back to you, and good luck today. I hope you get the record, and I hope you get to 14. You got, I guess you go to Toronto uh, for the weekend, right? Yeah, we go to Toronto, and, you know, I, I, I appreciate you mentioning Dave um, earlier, and, and, you know, Dave Will's passing away was it's still very tough for us. Uh, he spent 18 years in the booth with um, now my partner, Andy Freed, and so there's a selfish part of me that thought it would be almost appropriate if we get to 18 wins, one for every year that he was in the booth here. Yeah, that would be cool. Neil, good luck today. All right? It's a pleasure to have you on with us. I really enjoyed it, and uh, we'll check in with you soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You bet. Neil uh, Salons is the uh, one of the radio voices for the Tampa Bay Rays. Whoever thought we'd ever be talking about them? Usually it's Braves, Yankees. Uh, that's not what's amazing. It's amazing that you got the guy here, man. Was that you or Nick? Was that your call here? It was my call. That is a great yeah. interview. And you know what? I hope they win it. I hope they, they break the record. <clears throat> and he pointed out. they. I'm going to tell you something. As many people are surprised at what the Rays are doing, I would be shocked if Nick set up a baseball interview for me. Nick would not set up a baseball interview for I, me? I'd be surprised. I don't, I don't even know if he'd even try. Hey, Nick. I got Joey Warner on here. Okay. That came from me, though. (laughs) Nick's an NBA guy. That's true. That's that's what I'm saying. Nick's Nick's an NBA guy. I don't know if he has any interest in baseball. We've never talked about it. But at least he went ahead and did put together a podcast. I probably couldn't name 10 baseball players. Well, that's okay. Who is your favorite basketball player, NBA basketball player? Of all time or right any, now? Any, whichever. Who's your favorite? Of all time, I love LeBron. Okay. I'm a big LeBron guy. You are. I've heard that. That's good. Now, who is your favorite current player? Right now, I, I, I have a bias towards Trey Young. I See, I like, I like players that are really good, go out there and perform, but for some reason the media just – hates them and demonizes them i like to be a defender of them well trey's a very productive guy right but he's productive for his team who else do you like beside trey who's some of your guys that you're impressed with oh man 
I like Joel Embiid. I like Nikola Jokic. I like Giannis. Who doesn't like Giannis? Oh, Everyone gosh, Giannis. what a player. Um, there, there's really not many players I don't like. There's players that maybe I'm lower on than the general public. I mean, I think everyone loves Luka Doncic a little too much, so I I try to be a little more grounded on that. Well, who's going to win the whole thing? I just need you to tell me that real quick. Oh, man. Why, you got your bookie on the line? I do. Ooh, it's either going to be Milwaukee or Phoenix. Me, me and Lee are aligned We on agree this, on I that, think. yeah. Until Phoenix loses, you know, they have – since Durant's been in the lineup, they've never lost a game. Wow. Well, we're getting to the time of the year. This will be a great run. So you're saying either Milwaukee or Phoenix. Yeah, that's who we both agree are going to meet in the finals. Okay. And then once you get there, it's a coin flip. I think you need to go see the young man at Baker somehow. I mean, they're seeing – Oh, my gosh, he's going to be – I think he'll be our next NBA guy from here. What you think? He's got the time. I'm, I'm not going to go that. Classic. Yeah, I'm not going to go that far yet. Uh, well, he'll be our next great college player. How about that? Yeah, the, the last time we had somebody from here in the NBA is now in the Puerto Rican Professional League. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Demarcus Cousins. Yeah. All right, we better take a break. We have a Chick Fil A giveaway coming up. Chance to win a Chick Fil A. Keep listening. Has to do with the uh, Tampa Bay winning streak. Lee Shervani and Ronnie Cottrell, Nick Wiggins, right here for you. This is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. Suddenly. That's not Nick, by the way, singing. I thought I that was Nick. You thought it was? I did. I was going to say he did a heck of a job with that. You've got Nick on the mind. Is it because we started out talking about Nick Saban and I you just can't get that I name can't. out of your mind? Is that well, what it is? No, I'm, I'm very proud of Nick. Nick's got him a new show. He's got You're talking a, about this Nick? That Nick. You're when proud you're of him? The, when I'm you're in the presence of, of greatness, Lee, it's hard not to recognize he it. He and Steven, Steve Root, have got him a show. Aren't you proud of him, Lee? I mean, he's he's another guy in the Lee Shervanian tree. Lee, Lee can't stand it when I get these compliments. I get about <laughs> the, five a day. Wait a minute. Go back on that. The Lee Shervanian tree? Yeah, the coaching what tree. What part is he? <laughs> Which branch is he? <laughs> Look, if, 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 if you're Nick Saban in this coaching tree, then I'm Kirby Smart. Well, hey, I thought you did a good job singing the lead-in. That was pretty good. Thank you. Did you play the guitar yourself? Uh, no, I had someone do that for okay, me. Okay, I got you. I had Mark do that. I, who, I almost, forgot, I almost forgot what we're doing who here. Who won the prize? We haven't given the question yet. Oh, God. You, you've been raving about this guy, and I haven't even gotten to the question yet. Okay, well, we're is, almost out of time. What is the question? All right. So the Rays have won 12 in a row. There have been about, and I'm trying to remember, maybe six to seven Major League Baseball teams since 1900 that have started the year with 10 or more wins without a loss. You mentioned Milwaukee 13, Braves with 13, Rays have 12, but there's been a, a few others with 10 or more also. 
only one of those teams that has won 10 or more games to start the season has ever won the World Series. Name that team. Total quiet here. It's like crickets. Well, I, I thought you, <laughs> like you, I thought you wanted <laughs> dealing to call. Do you, you want me to say who it is? Or no, because I already gave the answer, so right. now you know, but I, you wouldn't have known. No, I wouldn't have had a clue. But it's, I will say and this. And I don't think any of our fans will Why? just know it off the top it's of one their of my, It's one of my favorite all-time teams of all time, going back in my youth. See, I, I said I couldn't name a baseball player. I can name a baseball player who played for them. You can? Yeah. I feel like I would give the answer away. You would, yeah. Probably better hold off on it, all yeah. right? And then we'll get to that later. I want to hear the guy you know. I well, don't hear that. do it because I'll give it away. Yeah, I want to hear it. 694-1055. All right. Uh, I'm going to change subjects quickly here. So you, you, you and I have talked about this. Is Auburn's recruiting that much better than when Brian Harson was there? Well, it is no doubt those guys um, – well, I've said this publicly. Uh, Hugh Freeze came to Mobile shortly after he was named the coach, and uh, I was very impressed with him. Uh, Zach Etheridge recruits our school, and, uh, man, there's a passion for high school coaches and high school players that I haven't seen at Auburn since Pat died. I mean, literally. Um, and I think they're going to do a great job. He has picked up a lot of players in the portal, but he is working hard on in-state kids. Okay, well, back up a little bit. Now, I remember back then Joe Witt. He was didn't, – but didn't he stick around with some of the f- coaches after that, Tuberville and so forth? So I always thought Auburn did very well when Joe Witt was recruiting yeah, here. Yeah, Joe Witt was – he was awesome. He, he probably controlled Mobile better than any coach in the country. But I'm talking about head coaches – is what I'm saying. Uh, there's been some good guys in that program that's been head coach. But um, I think Hugh, what Hugh is doing right now is going to be very positive. And I said this on another interview recently. You know, would, I, I trust totally what Nick Saban decides at Alabama, and I t- trust totally I think what Hugh Freeze is going to do. I think they're both going to – create some competition in in this state and they both are going to be national teams and that's what we need that's what alabama needs um i mean as a high school coach here uh, i think that's what we need okay uh we'll get back to that did we get a winner we did justin is our winner and who is the player you were going to name one of the only uh baseball players i can think of jackie robinson Oh my God! That was one of my, you know, as way a, to go. I was Thank a you. diehard Brooklyn Dodger fan, and I suffered. Well, I was too young to suffer, but they won their only championship in Brooklyn in 1955. They started that year with ten in a row. Going back to Jackie Robinson, I met him Get after out of here. after his after his career was over. My uncle up in Massachusetts. I was staying with my aunt and uncle up there for the summer or for a week. Okay, took me to a banquet. Jackie Robinson uh, was the guest speaker. Now, you got to understand, I'm still, what, 8, 9, 10. You're a Brooklyn boy. I had no idea what was going on, civil rights. I didn't understand the whole uh, situation of Jackie Robinson then like I do now. Who knew that his number would be retired? But 
he shook my hand. He gave me an autograph, which I don't have anymore. Wish I did. And I, I got to meet Jackie Robinson. Well, he probably had as much to do with that win streak that you just said. Uh, that is amazing. I mean, because he really. Do you, know, do you know how baseball was back then? So different. Jackie Robinson, after 50, 1956, the Dodgers traded him to the Giants, and he refused to report, said, I will never play for the Giants, and he retired. Because he was on kind of the downswing of his career. Well, you know a lot of great baseball players. You've met a lot of guys. You've met Hank Aaron. you probably met Willie Mays. You've met a lot of those guys, haven't you? I don't know if I met Mays. I certainly remember Henry. meeting Hank Aaron when he came down here for yeah. the Bay Bears. Paul Feinbaum. I know Paul. I like Paul. I'm yeah. glad he's going to be with yeah, he's us. He's going to come on right now, okay? Uh, so, Nick, we'll get him on. And then also Eli Gold. How about that? What, uh, a, what a tandem. Yes. And Ronnie Cottrell, the oh, big three. You're so, you're so and funny. And Nick Wiggins. I was just say, don't forget me. I just, I just really, put you in there. This I'm is, really this excited. It's like the Mount Rushmore of guests. I'm really excited about getting to get an update on Eli Gold. This is great. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. means ronnie don't you when you hear that lead in hey by the way what if you had walk walk up music on the station what would you like maybe we can get nick to i'm kind of easy listening myself but i like that song and speaking of bad to the bone you got a bad to the bone guest now too. mr paul Feinbaum. Oh, absolutely our headlines before we get to paul we just talked about the rays 12 in a row in baseball uh basketball bulls advanced to try to get the eight seed and so the pittsburgh the, penguins wait wait i haven't finished my gift okay. yet okay so and then oklahoma city okay you're you're a penguin guy the pe- no i'm not but uh, just the fact that they are not in the playoffs you said that was 16, 16 years, years in a row that was that the, is so impressive yeah of course i i don't even know how to play hockey okay i, I like watching the fights <laughs> but but i'm going to tell you that is quite an accomplishment 16 years in a row and they're out this year. They might right. get a coach fired. Mr. Though. Paul Feinbaum, ESPN, SEC Network. Paul, uh, you will not be on AL.com today. I don't know if that disappoints you because Mark Heim is on vacation. Well, that is uh, that is good news, and it's even better news to uh, be reunited with my old friend, Ronnie Cottrell, who I've covered and uh, played a big role in, in, in my career, to be honest with you, Lee. I don't know how much you know about it. We're not going to get too deep into it, but uh, Ronnie's uh, battles uh, at Alabama and elsewhere uh, were a centerpiece of our show for many years. And, Paul, we appreciate oh, well, I want to hear more about the, well, we the inside. Will. This is good. Well, like, Go ahead. Both of you, tell me. What am I missing? Well, during my time at Alabama, during the NCA investigation, Paul, Paul was the I mean, he covered the whole thing, and he saw it. He was called as a witness and uh, quite entertaining, I will add. But I want to ask him a question. Go ahead. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey Paul, I-, I asked Lee if I could ask you this. And, uh, you know, with your experience with the SEC and, and college football as a whole, 
I think the the portal and this NIL situation is the is it is by far the greatest dynamic to ever occur in college football. I, I can't think of anything that has changed this game more than what's happened with what's happening right now. Ronnie, I agree. I really think you would have to go back uh, more than 50 years ago to when when Alabama, Auburn, and the SEC were integrated to to, to point to uh, another moment, uh, another inflection point like this, because it is uh, it, it's truly chaotic and no, no coach is secure. I mean, I mean that includes the best. Uh, because you never know what's around the corner. And, and Saturday, the uh, portal window opens, as your audience probably knows. And I've, I've interviewed a couple of head coaches this week from the SEC, and, and you know they're out shopping. Uh, and if they're out shopping, that means some other coaches is, is very likely to lose someone that he was hoping to be a backup. Well, you, the Auburn scrimmage Saturday, there was a lot of discussion about their quarterbacks. And one of the coaches was quoted as saying that, yeah, we'll probably look at the portal for a quarterback. I mean, that that is like NFL yeah. roster management. It is, Ronnie. And, uh, and I think because of that, uh, everything else becomes part of the conversation. Yeah, Hugh Freeze told me Friday, he said, we're in the portal business. Uh, and he didn't want to be in the portal business, but you have to be. Uh, Sam Pittman was on with us, I believe, on Monday. And he said, and think about this, uh, in the middle of April, he said, I have eight scholarships open that I'm going out to, to, to fill. Uh, I mean, what, where, where in your career did, at the end of spring ball do you remember a time when you had that many spots? And, and that means you're going out and you're not looking for the third string wide receivers. I mean, you, you need starters with that type of scholarship situation available. So it's, a, it's beyond anything we've ever seen. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of old-timers, Ronnie, uh, don't like it. Uh, but it's the reality of the moment. And and plus, you know, in those days, uh, we were talking about trying to get high school players, evaluate high school players, and I think it's hurt those guys the mostly. I think, I mean, excuse me, Paul, 30% less high school players have signed this year than ever. I mean, 30% less. And um, I don't know. I don't know where it's going Um but, I mean, it's something has got to kind of level out a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I think we're going to see a different situation in the next five years. Well, I do agree. I think it will correct itself to a point, but, but the damage will be done. And you know this better than I do because you're friends with a lot of coaches. But a lot of coaches are running for the hills because this is not what they got in, in it for. And I think – uh, it takes a. It's always taken a, a specific type of person to recruit, and for the audience, and I know everyone knows Ronnie's history uh, as a great recruiter. But uh, Ronnie Cottrell, when, when he showed up at Alabama, was considered the single best recruiter in the country. Uh, he gained that reputation at FSU. Uh, he enhanced it uh, at Alabama, and and, I, I, and you know, think about. I mean, you were at the top of the food chain. Uh, considered not being there today and you know being in the middle of the pack. I was in Memphis the other night at the Touchdown Club, and they were talking about that university, which has a good reputation, but you know they have no chance. I mean, their their budget uh, on NIL at a school like that uh, won't last a day at Auburn and Alabama. Paul, 
I don't know if you're aware of this, and probably not, but Ronnie is actually making a push here in the state of Alabama yeah. to get junior colleges to go ahead with football. Uh, I want to go back, because I asked Ronnie, and he, he's not sure. There is a legend, but who knows. Why, why, and you covered so much in this state before you you know, moved on to Charlotte, and why, why do the junior colleges in Alabama, to your knowledge, not have football, but yet they do in Mississippi? Uh, you're right. Uh, I think, and, and Ronnie can attest to this a lot better than I can, but uh, my guess is because it wasn't anything I ever really dealt with. It's, you know, it's a, a football program, Lee, and Ronnie uh, is expensive. Uh, and I, I, I think it all, I mean, the junior college system in Alabama is worthy of, of many documentaries, <laughs> which we do not have the time for. Um, and it was set up for a specific reason, and I'm sure it, it had to be an economic situation. Well, the legend is that at the time, Coach Bryant uh, did not want it to. He just didn't want the competition. They pretty much had control at that time. And even Coach Jordan, they just made the agreement that they would never have it. There was legislation in the system that there would never be. But that is since that it's no longer. But uh, I just hope for this state. Uh, I hope for this state, hopefully, that maybe they could be a couple of teams that play to give kids opportunities to play. But that's not that's not why we brought you on here to talk about junior college football. My fault. On that. <laughs> uh, but, Paul, I mean, SEC media days, um, what, what are you anticipating this year? Well, we got spring meetings first. Right. Okay, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, yeah Ronnie, uh, if I could lay the calendar out. The next, uh, spring meetings are in about six or seven weeks, and the big topic there will be the nine-game schedule. Uh, you'll have Oklahoma and Texas represented there because they're a year away from coming in. It will be approved. Uh, we'll find out where everyone is going. And then media days, I, I think there will be a number of stories. Uh, you know, if, you, if, you, if you zip through the SEC, uh, I'll start in the east. The question, uh, There are huge questions about Billy Napier and Florida. Unfair, probably. But when you start off six and seven at Florida, uh, you're, you're going to catch a lot of heat. And then, you know, as you move across, can Tennessee replicate what it did? Uh, Georgia, uh, yeah, and, yeah, Georgia is doing something that that is that is that's never been done in modern football, going for a three-peat. And then you work your way over to our side, uh, and you know, what, what can Hugh Freeze cobble together? We don't know yet because of the, the portal situation. And then uh, I think the biggest topic in the hallways is going to be Nick Saban. Uh, and you know what? You know there's a lot of mystery about this this program this year. Uh, talent galore, uh, extremely young. Can he convert that into a championship team? Because you know, Nick Saban is not content, as you know, Ronnie, better than anyone, to go 11 and two. Uh, he's expected to compete and win national championships, which he's done about every two years since he showed up at Alabama. Well, speaking about expectations, uh, since Auburn just finished up their A-Day and their practice sessions and you had Hugh Freeze on with you, what's your take on Auburn right now and where this program stands? Uh, A long way from where it needs to be, Lee. Um, But uh, I really do believe Hugh Freeze uh, is is now convincing everyone that, that, that hired him that they made the right choice. He's a phenomenal recruiter. He understands the jungle of the SEC, and I think he'll, he'll, you'll see some progress the first year, but you won't see enough to, to be a, a contender. But I think that is coming down the road. 
Paul, you mentioned, uh, I, I mean, it, it's not too early about the spring meetings, and you're right. I'm, I'm with you on that, and I'm looking forward to covering that, that the scheduling and the format is going to be, I think, the major topic. Uh, obviously, we get to hear from Greg Sankey. That being said, what do you know about the new commissioner of the Big Ten who was just hired? And, and I think he was with the, what, the Major League Baseball Network? Tony, is it Pettit, Pettit or Petit? Uh, Petit. Uh, he's been uh, primarily with, with MLB. Uh, he, he did work for, for years at CBS about 20 years ago. He was at CBS involved uh, in college football uh, at one time. I, but, but I will argue that uh, you know, while, he, while, his in, while his background is interesting, he has a very easy job from the perspective of all the, all the heavy lifting is over. They've already taken in UCLA and USC. They've got their TV deals done. So essentially what, what, what he will do is, is, is be one of five commissioners at the table. Uh, to help negotiate the new uh, college football playoff deal. But, but I, I think uh, it, it is a new trend that, that conferences are no longer bringing in administrators. They're going after entertainment and, and television executives. That's what the Big 12 did. That's obviously what the, the Pac-12 did, bringing in a guy from Vegas. And, and, and there, are all, there are only two commissioners right now at the ACC and the SEC who have any real college athletic experience. Paul, how do you think I – mean, I'm going to shift off of SEC. How do you think Dion will do, Dion Sanders, at Colorado this year? I think he'll do well, Ronnie, but he, he's being you – know, I mean, he, he was that name that everyone wondered, what's he doing in college football a couple of years ago? But he won because he was able to attract a lot of players to a place where he – he not only leveled the playing field, he made it un, 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 unlevel because uh, he, his team was so good. That won't happen now. And and I wonder, uh, the first game we'll all pay attention to. Uh, they play TCU, I think, right out of, out of the gate. But if if Colorado is 4-4 four and four playing a big game late in the season, are we really going to care? Uh, I mean, working at ESPN, you, you learn a little bit how the – the curve is in, in terms of what people are interested in and what gets coverage, Ronnie. And four and four teams, even with Deion Sanders, don't get a lot of attention. So I think that's going to be a that's going to be something he hasn't had to deal with. Correct. And knowing knowing Deion, I think it will drive him crazy not to be the center of attention. How about the uh, what is it? Is it ESPN that's televising their spring game either this Saturday or the following Saturday, and no other? They're not doing any uh, SEC schools. Yeah, yeah, how about this? Uh, ESPN uh, has their spring game. Georgia, uh, Georgia is on ESPN too. I'm not even sure where Alabama's is uh, next week, uh, but they they have gotten the prime slot of all the spring games. I think Alabama is streaming. They're not. Yeah, you have to so, have that, I mean, that think, plus. I mean, think about that. And you know, ten years ago, Alabama was the one you saw every week, even until a couple of years ago. So that's the power of Dion. Uh, you know, game day will be his first home game. You know all those things. But but I, I maintain that he only has a certain shelf life, uh, and and that's that's the issue. Paul, do you have a, do you have a favorite player of all time? I mean, you've done this for a long time. Uh, you obviously are one of the best. Uh, do you have a favorite guy? Or do you have a couple of guys that you remember in the SEC that you really enjoyed covering? Well. Growing up as a kid, uh, it was Joe Namath, Ronnie, as you can relate to. Yes, I but can. I never covered Joe. Uh, as a, because every uh, every ten uh, year old growing up wanted to be Joe Namath, 
And then we too. got to 17 or 18, and we realized we didn't look like Joe Namath. Um, my favorite, I guess, as a sports writer was Bo Jackson. He, yes. I covered him in high school. Uh, all four years in college, and uh, and I even uh, got got a chance to cover his his first minor league baseball game in Memphis. Um, so uh, I mean, I, I think I mean Herschel was something like uh, I had never seen anything like Herschel. Um, you know, later I would say for a single afternoon, I've never seen a performance like the game in November of, of 2012 when Johnny Manziel came into Tuscaloosa and won that game. I mean, that was just. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, it wasn't sustainable, obviously, but uh, for a single afternoon, I've never seen anything quite like that. Paul, unfortunately, we're up against the clock. I've got to let you go. Of course, you have a four-hour gig getting ready to go later on this afternoon. Really enjoyed having you on today. I'm sorry you won't be seeing any of this in print later on, but you, you'll get over it. Ronnie, it's an absolute pleasure to get back together with you again. I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you, Paul. God bless you, sir. Mr. Paul Feinbaum. Thank you so much. By the way. A great man. He, he, he touched you. a nerve with me. Not a nerve so much. I believe I was doing, we took the show out on the road to a golf tournament. Wayne Gardner was my co-host. And I'm trying to, I think we had sitting in with us at the time, Bo Jackson and Herschel Walker. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I what think we had interview. them both at the same what time. What an interview. Right. All right. Uh, well, we're going to bypass our sports update we're kind of running long here so we'll just do the traffic and the weather and come back that was a great interview though it was worth it thanks to you no paul feinbaum's great interview. i really want what what's an entertaining uh, testimony whatever you said he's entertaining as a witness what's that what do you sing you dance you tell no, jokes no, i'm talking about it was the highlight of my trial all right we'll we'll talk about that maybe later okay, okay bye-bye all right we'll let that we'll go for a while This is Brad Nessler, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Right center field, pretty well hit. And that ball is gone! Eddie Money, and the Braves have the lead! Eddie Rosario, eighth inning home run. Braves win 5-4, sweep the series against the Reds. How about them Braves? You're a Braves fan? I like the Braves. I do, too. I used to be a huge, huge Mets fan, and I still do like them. But after covering the Braves, one, well, actually, uh, spring training, I went. I was sent down there by the radio station. I really got to know the organization. I like their organization, the way they do things. I am quite a Braves fan. I was a big Dale Murphy fan. Who isn't? Boy, they raved about him yesterday on the uh, broadcast. And uh, he's probably arguably the most popular Brave ever. Now, I'm not taking away from Hank Aaron or, you know, Chipper Jones or Greg yeah. Maddox. But that's as far as that I could name Chipper Jones, that's your guy. I can yeah, tell you one that I knew. Story about so, Chipper OK, Jones. listen to this. And I'm supposed to be doing a. Uh, a commercial here. Go ahead. Let me do the commercial, then I'll get back to yeah. Chipper Jones. Okay, <laughs> you'll like this, Nick. Okay, so you took your son to do what yesterday? My son had some wisdom teeth removed, which, you know, anytime that you're going to do that, you want to go to a person. The first, your first thought is you want someone that's going to really take care of your children and hopefully no pain. 
Oh, I I got the guy for you, you do. Doctor do. Christopher Mullinex. You do. But you mentioned wisdom teeth. How many were pulled? He had four pulled. Dr. Mullinex, Nick, back me up on this. During an interview we had with him, once told us on the air, because the issue came up, that he once pulled 10 wisdom teeth from an individual. He didn't have many teeth left, did I he? I wouldn't think so. <laughs> he took 10 out of there. Chris uh, is a good friend of mine. Uh, even better, he's a guy that I trust. Uh, my family's been to him for dental implants and other things. Uh, they're located at 715 Downtown or Boulevard. Uh, when I've had people call me and say, is that really true what you're saying? Yes, I, I, I highly recommend them. You don't need a referral. Give them a call at 471-3381. We'll be doing the Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery Show, the championship drive tomorrow at uh, 6 o'clock in the morning at UMS Wright. So, Nick, years ago, we had a, a really good shortstop at South Alabama, Mike Mordecai. He was in the Braves organization. And I wanted to get an interview with him. He was in the, uh, I forget what farm team or what minor league team. So I called, I don't know how I did it, but I got the hotel room and I called and this guy answers. And I said, Hey, is Mike Mordecai there? And he said, no. I said, okay, uh, I'm Lee Shervani and trying to reach Mike. Who am I talking to? He said, Chipper Jones. That's about as close as I ever came to him on the phone. <laughs> And then the next thing you heard was a click. And click, a yeah, right, right. So, yeah, I, I didn't, I, I don't want to talk to you. I wanted Mike Mordecai. Chipper had yet to make it to the majors. Well, first of all, my Chipper Jones story is this. I, I was a college football coach at Florida State, and he played uh, football and baseball in high school there in Jacksonville. The Bowles Academy, right? Yeah, and I called him one day and invited him to come to the football game, to come to see the Florida Gators play Florida State. And he said, nah, Coach, I don't think I'm going to come over there. I just knew his name was something Jones. I didn't had no idea who he was. So I told Brad Scott that I called him and invited him to come, but he's not playing. And he laughed at me. He said, you don't know who that is, do you? He's going to be the number one pick in the draft in baseball. So I at least invited him to a football game. And, and Paul Feinbaum says you're the greatest recruiter and you couldn't get him to come to a football game? Well, he he wasn't going to ever be on a football field. There was never going to be a pad laid on him again. He was done. Eli Gold is next. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. We've missed him. We have. And I'm really glad he's back with us. So stay tuned for that. disappointed in anybody's progress. I thought they both played, you know, well in the scrimmage. Um, both guys have had their moments in practice and they've also had learning opportunities um, when they've made mistakes and both of them have responded very well and made improvement. Um, so there, there's really no, I don't have an evaluation other than the fact that we're coaching every one of the four quarterbacks that we have in the program every day uh, to try to help them develop that's uh, Nick Saban. Hey, that's a very, very noticeable voice now, recognizable. And, uh, Coach, I want to say hello to one of my assistant coaches out there, Lawrence Roberts, who texted in and said he was listening. He's got two boys, 
uh, Jackson Roberts, and he's in the 10th grade, going to be a junior next year, and Jamison Roberts, he's in the 8th grade. Uh, both of these guys are top high school players. I was talking to him yesterday. They're visiting Mississippi State this week, and I hope they have a good visit there. Uh, we, we are blessed at Mobile Christian to have – not just outstanding football players, but outstanding men, and those are two of our best. And hope you all enjoy your visit there, Coach. Look forward to seeing you in the spring. We talked about this quarterback competition that's going on right now, uh, Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow, and we really haven't had that at Alabama now for the past few years, I think. You know, maybe you kind of get spoiled because you knew Bryce Young was going to be your quarterback for two years. You had Jones there. Tua, and even Jalen Hurts before that. That was the last competition, I think, those two guys. But uh, in in the end, Jalen took over. But um, I don't know. It's a different day for quarterbacks. Lee, you said it. You said it better than anybody could say it. By If I'm a quarterback on a college football team and people are talking about portal, how comfortable do you feel? And so I don't know. Well, who okay. Do you, who do all you right, think say Auburn. Be- all right, because Auburn finishes up. They have what three or four quarterbacks there. Uh, supposedly, you know, Robbie's, you know, still in the lead. But then, you know, Hugh Freeze gets asked about the portal. Says, "Yeah, we're looking. Everybody's looking. Everybody's the, looking. The colleges are assigning players. I mean, coaches for those players that are in the portal. There's one dude that they've got that that's his job to know who's in the portal." and totally monitoring that situation. Uh, I do want to mention, I want to thank Paul Feinbaum for joining us. That was a great interview. And uh, But, Lee, I think, you, I think you did it. I think you hit the home run with the Ray's voice, radio voice there. And um, I don't know, I, I, I think people f- forget when, when guys are going through a streak like – the Rays are going through, and you're going through a situation where something that could be historical, I mean, the the magnitude of what it is for the players. And uh, I just hope that they win today. I hope the Rays can somehow at least get the 13 lead. But I would love to see that record broken. And, I would too. And when we talk about the Rays, they really are a talented organization but they're a bunch of unknown guys. Pretty much. I got a guy who's very well known, and we are so pleased that he's back with us. Talked to him, I guess, over the weekend. I've been keeping my fingers crossed that things would go well and that the voice of the Alabama football program, Eli Gold, would be back with us. Here he is. Good morning, sir. How are you today? I am well, gentlemen. How are you doing? We are doing wonderful. It is so. I'm serious, Eli. I don't... It is so good to hear your voice. It really is on well, WNSP. Um, why don't you, you know, I mean, we could get into sports, but I, I think it's more important now to, to let people know what has been going on in your words and how are you doing right now health-wise? I'm doing fine. Uh, let's start with that. Uh, I do have another, uh, as, as folks know, I've had cancer, and uh, I have had uh, uh, you know, it's, it's not been easy. It's not been simple by any stretch. But I do have just one more chemotherapy session to go. And the doctors are really pleased. Everybody's excited. And if the doctors are pleased, then I'm pleased. And that's, you know, I feel wonderful. 
I'm, I've had to do a lot. I, I, my legs stopped working, Lee, way back uh, over a year ago. I woke up one morning, and my legs wouldn't work. I mean, I went to bed, and I was walking. I walked into the bedroom. I wake up the next morning, my legs don't work. Uh, and it took a while for the people at UAB Hospital and many other hospitals to figure out exactly what was going on. Uh, they, were, they were treating me for things that were, in actuality, masking what was wrong with me. So they couldn't find out what was wrong with me. Uh, long story short, they finally found that I had cancer. Uh, and I got uh, the news of that on Christmas Eve, so, you know, Merry Christmas. And then uh, on New Year's Eve, uh, I started with my first, uh, my first chemotherapy treatment, and I've been doing it ever since. And I have, uh, like I said, one more to a week from tomorrow is my last uh, chemotherapy session, and I'll be fine, Lord willing, and... Uh, you know, and we move on. It's just been very, very difficult, though. Um, you know, it's, I spent 100 and I think it was 176 or 186 days in the hospital. Okay? You understand the scope of that number. 186, I mean, over a half a year in the hospital. Uh, I, I was in and out of UAB five or six times. I've been to other facilities. I've been to a, a, a nursing home, uh, uh, not for nursing home standards, if you will, but because that was a place that I could get the kind of coverage and, and treatment that I needed. Uh, so I got that. I've, I've been all over the place. But um, now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm able to walk. I, I do walk best. With a walker, uh, although so there's no there's no you know it's not embarrassing. You got to use it. You use it. I can walk best with a walker. I can walk you know fairly well with a cane. I can also walk well without either one of them. But nobody really wants me to do that. You know what I'm saying? They're afraid I'll I'll take a tumble and then I can't get up because my legs are not yet strong enough to lift me and um, you know the uh, and I say to lift me we all chuckle but I'm not the guy I used to be uh, I, I lost a hundred and forty hundred and forty pounds something like that uh, I just had no interest in eating I, I couldn't keep anything down I was sick I mean the doctors told Claudette my wife they told her a couple of times that I might not make it through the night. So I was a very sick boy. And uh, turns out, uh, you know, that I have gotten better. But, uh, you know, there's, there's still work to be done. Um, I'm not looking at A-Day as a return. That's not going to happen uh, a week from tomorrow, uh, a week from Saturday, rather. But um, I am, you know, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, uh, I am planning to be back in time for the start of the regular season. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll may, I may show up with a walker, 
And if that's the case, you know, big darn deal. I mean, there are tons of people who use walkers in this world. Uh, if I can get by with a cane, I'll do that, whatever it is. But, um, you know, the university has been wonderful. Uh, they have been so supportive of me, uh, and, and I appreciate that. You know, the phone will ring. It'll be Greg Vaughn. It'll be, you know, I'll, it'll be Nick Saban or Kerry Saban or let alone my bosses, you know, at, at the Learfield the arm of things. Um, it, it's just been a wonderful, you know, my wife has been uh, such a trooper, man. Uh, I don't know how many of your listeners have had significant illness. I'm, I'm not talking about catching a cold. I'm talking about significant illness. Well, the person who is a caregiver is, I mean, that is one of the toughest jobs in the world, giving, being a caregiver on a long-term basis for somebody who has been ill or is ill. Uh, and, and Claudette has been spectacular. She has been uh, she's looked after me. She's, I'll tell you, in all those 180 days or whatever it is that I was in the hospitals, there was maybe, maybe a week, one week altogether when either she or Elise, our daughter, were not up in the hospital with me. I had, you know, I had friends come up. Um, thank goodness they brought food for me. Not that I would eat it all the time, but it was better than hospital food, you know. And um, so it's it's been a it's been a tough run. It's been a tough run. Uh, and now, like I said, now I'm uh, I'm walking well, but with a walker. And if that's what it's going to be, it is. I'm taking therapy still, and I'll continue that right on through. Who knows when, you know? But. Uh, that's the latest, Lee. That's that's the uh, that's not necessarily the Reader's Digest version, but it's certainly the abridged version because if I started going through everything that I did and dealt with uh, over 180 days in the hospital and everything else, we'd never get off the air. Yeah, and I I just as I wrap my head around this, and I didn't know all of this. You know, I I know your your wife kind of kept me in touch. To go that long without getting the true diagnosis, that's what I, I find so hard to believe. That, with that all was the- amazing. We could not get a diagnosis. And this is not a shot at anybody at UAB or anybody else. It's just the fact of what it was. They could not figure out what the deal was. You know, they, they'd give me, uh, you know, steroids to take care of one thing. Well, the steroid might was, was masking something else and it was one of those things where you know they would say you gotta you know we gotta send you home and i said we're not going home without a diagnosis and you know like i said i was in and out of uab six times i, I was at uh, lake shore i was at another facility between birmingham uh and atlanta a uh what I would what I would call the, a nursing home, but it is also more of a skilled nursing facility um, more than anything else. Uh, I mean, I went everywhere and just could not. And finally, finally, 
you're going to laugh. It's not funny, but it's humorous to some degree. I ended up with a terrible case of the hiccups. I was hiccuping and hiccuping to such a degree that I couldn't. This was in December, middle to late December. I was hiccuping to such a degree I couldn't even catch my breath. I mean, I was struggling to breathe because I couldn't get any breath because I was hiccuping. Well, the doctor who they brought in to figure this deal out with the hiccups is the one who stumbled upon what that was doing and why it was happening. And, and because of that, I was having, I had cancer. The, the hiccups in, in a roundabout caused the cancer or, you know, vice versa. And, and, and they learned from that. But uh, Lee, it was just, it was awful. And man, it was scary. Uh, and, but, you know, they're good people. I had a, uh, I had a great uh, person in Claudette, you know, acting as my, uh, as, you know, as my ombudsman, if you will, or whatever term you want to choose. And uh, now, thank God, we're in the right direction. And uh, I've well, got one Eli, more chemo to go. Eli, you you know, in, in adversity, from adversity comes greatness. And, of course, you've already achieved greatness in a lot of things you've done. But one thing about the struggle you've been through, you found out what your wife and your children were about. They were there yep. for you. But, man, we just, we just want you back. And, man, whatever you got to do, if you got to get you one of those motorized vehicles, you need. Yeah. To, we need you back. We've missed you. Well, I appreciate it. I and missed it. We've year. missed you so and much, and I want to thank you for back in the day when I was at Alabama and you and the Snake were doing our games. And I knew right. then. I knew then what you were about. And uh, well, the, the, the game needs you, man. So hopefully, hopefully we'll get you back back doing what you do. That's great. Uh, I'm know looking you, forward to it. I know you've missed it. Can I ask you one question? Uh, you could ask me anything you'd like. Okay, we just. I may not answer. I may not answer you, but you can ask it. Okay. <laughs> well, I just wanted uh, to talk to you about Bryce Young. You know, Bryce is about to be one of the top picks in the draft, and you have a lot of experience with Bryce. And uh, yeah. just wanted you to kind of share with our listeners what kind of man he is, because. You know, I think he was truly a great quarterback for the University of Alabama. Oh, he was, but he was a better man. If you know, and, and it's tough to it's tough to qualify that. You know, how, how good as a player, how good as a person, but he was outstanding. He was special. He dealt with everybody in such a wonderful way. He was just a nice guy who happened to be a have God-given talent. And, uh, you know, now it'll be interesting to see exactly, you know, where he goes in the draft. Uh, but he is, it was a thrill and an honor uh, to watch him and be able to talk about him. Of course, Chris had that honor, Chris Stewart, last year. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I was thrilled and honored to be able to talk about uh, Bryce, while I did, did you did you help him a little bit in the beginning? Did you help him as far as learning to be the personality that he was? No, sir. 
That was all his parents and all of his folks in the upbringing. He was, I did not, you know, I, I really, I'm, I'm available to these young men if they have a question. There have been some over the years who have asked me stuff, and I've given them an idea for an interview, I what have you. But no, uh, everything you saw from Bryce was, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Young raising their their son. Unfortunately, Eli, we've kind of really run out of time. I'm way over the uh a lot, a lot of time because we got take the, it out of take it out of weather. Okay, I'm just kidding. I no, no, I really no. This was special. Okay, this was so special. Glad you're back. That's the main thing. I, I just want to let you know that I, I'm going to mention that you know Dex Imaging Eli uh, talks about that a lot, and we'll get into that next week. And we appreciate Dex Imaging back with me. And we're returning now. This is going to be. Yes. I don't know if it's going to be Thursdays or if we'll revert back to our regular Wednesday. Uh, Lee and I will discuss that, but. Yeah, Dex is back, wonderful folks, and uh, I, I can't wait to get back on the schedule with everybody down in the, the Mobile area. Thank you for sharing your time with us. I appreciate it, my friend. We'll be back. You guys take You care. bet. All right. The voice Bye-bye. of the Crimson Tide football. Wow, what an ordeal. I didn't realize it was that detailed. And that... But, you know, he's, he's, it's, he sounded great, so hopefully he's going to be able to bounce back. But to go that long without know. knowing what the problem that is. That was awful. Because uh, somebody like me, so impatient, if I go in and I want to know right away, you know, 180 days or something like that. All right, when we come back, uh, we had a story out of Cottage Hill. Uh, Stacy Luger was going to coach and is not. Now, I'm not going to ask you to comment on him per se, but just on the coaching profession in high school, because that's the second coach now that was going to move on and then decided to change his mind about it. And I'm curious if that ever happened with you, Ronnie. Uh, Nick's in the house. So is Ronnie Cottrell. I'm Lee Shervanian. You're listening to the April 13th opening kickoff. Glad to have you with us. Roman Harper, 8 o'clock. How about that? That's going to be a good one. Kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. Oh, whenever we get David on, good times do roll. And David, welcome to the opening kickoff this Thursday morning. How are you doing? Hey, Lee. Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Are you surrounded by a lot of cars and trucks out there? Actually, I'm on a band bus with Daphne High School in Washington, D.C., but I know what inventory I got. So how about that? Uh, that you probably know more about it than I do. <laughs> I threw a wrench at you there, didn't I? You sure did. You listen, <laughs> listen, we've got a great inventory right now. We've got um, some commercial trucks. We've got some 16-foot box trucks. We've got a 20-foot flatbed with a Tommy lift. We've got large SUVs like the Expeditions. We've got um, small SUVs. Got a great selection of cars and gas savers. And financing is fantastic right now, so it's a good time to come see us. Who should they come out and see since you're up in D.C.? Well, James and Pete and David Ash, they're all there today. They'll be there till 6 o'clock tonight the rest of the week, so go, go take advantage of me not being there, maybe. You know, David, you're missing all the rain down here and all the uh, water pile up, but uh, wh- 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 where are you competing? Where's the band competing? They're not. We're just up here to watch the National Sympathy play at the um, Kennedy and um, take in the sights while we're here. So just having a good trip. 
Wonderful. Uh, again, uh, to get in touch with anybody at LCM Motors, what do they need to do? Just give us a call at 251-375-0068 and go to the website at lcmotorcars.com or come see us at Highway 90 and Plantation in Theodore. It's one mile south of I-10, exit 15A. Enjoy yourself up there. Have a great time. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good week, buddy. So lately in high school football, we've had two coaches that were going to move on but then decided against it. Uh, Brian Seymour, former coach at MGM, uh, was going to take the job at Greenville and leave Demopolis, and then it was announced that he's going back. He's staying at Demopolis. He'd never really left. Stacy Luger, who was a guest on our show a couple of weeks ago, was introduced as the next football coach. And yesterday, Chris Brazell, the headmaster, announced that Stacy has decided not to come down to Cottage Hill. Ronnie, with all, you've had several high school jobs. Did you ever take a high school job and then a week or two later regret that you took it or change your mind? You are killing me, Lee. I told you I didn't want to talk about this. Yes, and uh, I was the head coach at Kinston High School. In uh, 1983 and 84, and after the 83 season, uh, the Samson principal offered me the job at Samson. And without really discussing it with my wife, without making a good decision prayerfully and doing things that a man would do, I agreed to the job. And three days later, I realized for my family I'd made the worst decision I could make. And just by the grace of God to Kinston High School, principal wanted me back so uh this is a tricky situation and those men both of those men that you mentioned are great guys coach seymour coached here at sims and and has been was successful at andalusia and stacy luker man last two times i played him he beat me he's a great coach and a great person but most of the time when something like happens like that happens it it's something to do with a family issue or something it's uh, it's probably not the thing you would want to do i i certainly regret that more than anything that's ever happened with me but uh it's really it puts the school in a bind and that's the worst thing about it that's what i feel like to this day i put samson high school in a bind by going back but uh Everybody has to make decisions. And you heard Paul Feinbaum say earlier today that there's no loyalty anymore with coaches. I mean, as far as, you know, you got to win. And for whatever reason those guys decided to do it, they did it. Um, but, you know, I, I know Coach Brazell over at Cottage Hill, he'll get a guy quickly and they'll move on. But, um these things do happen from time to time. I'm saying it's not the best thing can happen, but most of the time, most time it's family. Ronnie, we got Roman Harper. You arranged it. Uh, we'll be talking with him. He's now with the SEC Network. Great football player at Alabama and the Saints. NFL career. And uh, also in the 8 o'clock hour, we'll get uh, Kenny Trahan who covered the Pelicans game yesterday as they were eliminated in the NBA uh, playoff game so that's on tap hey it's been a great show and uh, we hope you'll stay with us uh, to hear one of the finest men that I know Roman Harper former New Orleans Saints I think they will enjoy this interview that's coming up 8 o'clock WNSB Sports Time
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shervanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. All right, in the headlines, uh, the Bulls won their game yesterday, so they'll be traveling to Miami, try to get that eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. And last night at the uh, Smoothie Center in New Orleans, Thunder beat the Pelicans, eliminating New Orleans from the basketball playoffs. So the Thunder, uh, they have a game against the T-Wolves tomorrow night also with the right to move on and take on the top seed, Denver. Uh, Major League Baseball, uh, the major story, Tampa. Won their 12th in a row. The all-time record is 13. Uh, they'll go f- to tie that record. They hope to against the Red Sox today. And if they get that, then they go to Toronto trying to win 14 in a row to open up the season. And at Cottage Hill, word came out yesterday that Stacy Luger, six-time championship coach at various high schools, has decided not to coach at Cottage Hill. With that being said, uh, Ronnie Cottrell is sitting in for Mark Heim. We've also had a star-studded lineup of guests. We've had Paul Feinbaum. We had Eli Gold. And with that, you want to introduce our next guest? I would love to. And, uh, you know, from time to time, we get to interview some really special individuals. And uh, the next individual is Roman Harper. Uh, Roman uh, grew up in Prattville, Alabama, was an outstanding high school player for Bill Clark at Prattville, actually played quarterback for Bill, highly recruited uh, and played four years at Alabama, was an outstanding contributor there, went on to play for the Saints and the Carolina Panthers, and and uh, currently he is in national media, and uh, I'll let him talk to you about what he's doing now, but I want to welcome to our show today uh, Roman Harper. Roman, how are you? I'm doing well, Ronnie. How are you doing? Uh, Mr. Lee, nice to meet you guys. Uh, to meet you as well. Roman, I really appreciate you coming on. Back when uh, you were growing up in Prattville, Alabama, I mean, y'all turned that program around, and now it's a, you know, a, a traditional power. Did you grow up being an Alabama fan? No, not at all. Um, both of my parents attended Alabama State University, so I grew up loving HBCU football. And I didn't know much about Alabama football. Well, of course, you, you saw it on TV, but um, it wasn't like I was involved with the program or grew up rooting for them. I was all about being a, uh, the, the Alabama State, uh, the Fighting Hornets. So that's what I was all about. Um, and then as you grow up, you start to get recruiting. Um, you fall in love with your own process. And, you know, and I, I chose Alabama, and literally it was the best decision I ever made. Uh, especially seeing what all the program and university has done since I left. You know, a lot of it's, it's amazing when to see the dollars uh, and how many new people want to come to a winning program. Now, when you were recruited, did you recruit? Did you uh, did you commit early, or did you go through the whole process? No, no, uh, Coach Cotter, I, I went through the whole process. So mine was, I, I went through there with some crazy times. So Mike Dubose's staff offered me uh, first uh, going into my senior year. Uh, they offered me, they recruited me heavily. Uh, Alabama just came off the uh, SEC championship game in 1999. Then 2000, they were awful. Mike Dubose gets fired. 
And um, and then, lo and behold, uh, Dennis Franchoni comes in, and they continue to recruit me just as, just as hard or heavier. Uh, Chris Thurman, my cornerback's uh, coach at the time, I, I found like it seemed like every week he was at my house, uh, you know, my mom's cooking food for him. He loved it. He loved coming by and stopping by the house because my mom always would, you know, be cooking or doing something. And uh, we still talk to this day. And so I chose Alabama over Auburn. It came down to those two at the end. Uh, my brother had just went to Troy State University the year before. So my mom asked me to stay close and because uh, they don't like missing games. So that was my decision. I, I chose Alabama over Auburn. And I chose Alabama for three reasons. Number one, um, Alabama was Nike and Auburn was Russell Athletic at the time. And I had Russell Athletic in high school, so I was ready to upgrade. Number two, the, the colors, my Alabama's colors are closer or similar to what I had in Prattville, so I knew I'd look good because I was used to it. Uh, I just didn't know about the blue and orange and white. It was like, different to me. And then number three, uh, my DB coach, who I mentioned earlier, Chris Thurman, was a big influence on me, and uh, I, I really, really enjoyed spending time with him. So those are my three reasons, and that's why I ended up at Alabama. Well, and, you know, you, I was on the staff with Coach Dubose, and I remember you – I mean, you were actually playing quarterback for Prattville High School at the time, knowing that probably your future was going to be somewhere else. How was the transition? And did you think – was there a chance that you might play quarterback in college or was it strictly you were going to play on the defensive side? Yeah, I, in my mind, I was always going to be a defensive back. Like, I had never um, – I didn't even want to play quarterback. Coach Carter just made me do it because it would help the team out. And I was just like, okay, I, whatever's going to help the team be better – I'll do it. I never had dreams or aspirations to play quarterback. I just ended up being a really good athlete, and I could throw the ball and, and make some things happen. And I had some really good players around me. But my mindset, I was always going to be a defensive back. I got recruited because of my defensive back ability. But I, I, I did notice how much more people, uh, how much more attention and how much more the newspapers can fall in love with you, though, when you start throwing touchdowns and scoring. So that was a big difference to me. Like, man, I never had this much attention before until I started scoring touchdowns. Well, your career at Alabama, now y'all, you had success there. You you won awards. Do you have a favorite memory of your time from Alabama? Um, honestly, it was probably just – it didn't have much to do with on-the-field stuff. It's a lot of off-the-field stuff. But I'll tell you one of the best stories, and this is like – like this is what it is to play football at Alabama. So I made the big play against Tennessee – where I called the fumble, helped us win the game, this, that, and the other. And everybody's really excited. And uh, I had this English class once once a week on Monday. Sorry if you hear my son. He's talking to each other. Directs me somewhere. My two-year-old. He's home from school today. Well, anyway, so I had this one class once a week. And so I make the big play Saturday. And it was Monday. I don't know what happened. I Like, I was young then. I didn't go to class. In the following week, I think I was late. Where I didn't go again. Anyways, that had been a couple of while. Man, when I finally showed up, um, they gave me a standing ovation as soon as I came in the door. And uh, and I apologized because I had missed class and, I, and they had seen me play. And they're like, oh, it's okay. Like, but every time we just saw the door open, you know, been waiting in anticipation, we just wanted to celebrate you. So um, that is what it's like to play football in Alabama, especially when you do it at a high level. It is a special place. We're talking to Roman Harper, former New Orleans Saint, former Crimson Tider and Prattville High School uh, player. Uh, I, I do want to ask you, though, did you, when you were at Prattville, did you have aspirations of being in the NFL, or were you just enjoying playing? You know, uh, Coach Castro, I, I mean, 
of course, every kid dreams of, you know, trying to play in the NFL or having these aspirations. But I, I'd be lying to you if I thought, if I told you that, like, I thought it was going to happen. Um, you know, it's just so difficult to um, to imagine doing something like that when nobody in your hometown has actually accomplished that. You don't know anybody that's done that. We had one guy, Kevin Turner, God rest his soul, who passed away a few years ago from ALS that had gone on to the league. My father coached him. I grew up a big fan of Kevin Turner, but he didn't look like me. He's a white fullback. So uh, it's just a little bit different to imagine how you're going to accomplish something that nobody else has accomplished. And, you know, I was just happy to be playing football. I, I went to college thinking I was going to be able to get a scholarship, get a free education. And that's what I was mainly focused on. And my mom always told me, you know, you know, if you go to these schools, like, don't just let them get everything out of you. Make sure you get something out of them as well. And that was the education. So I wanted to make sure I got my degree. And then going into my senior year, I was, I was invited out to Phoenix, Arizona, and I was a Playboy All-American. And they said the year before, uh, 22 out of the 25 guys, and that's including the coach and an academic guy, had went in the first three rounds in the NFL. And that's why they picked this team, the most NFL-ready guys in college. And at that point, I was like, so you're saying I'm going to play in the league? And they were like, yes, you will. Just don't mess it up. I, and so from there on, I was all focused in, and I knew I had a dream to play so in the you, league. Uh, but that wasn't until literally my senior year in college. So that's when you realized you had an opportunity. Now, take me through take me through the draft. Uh, you were you were selected by the Saints uh, in, in the draft. What was your anticipation there? Did you think you would go as high as you did, or were you just happy to be there? Coach Tyler, you kind of know me. You know I'm just kind of happy to be there. I I, I didn't anticipate anything. Uh, my only expectations were, like, no expectations. My agent at the time, um, who's still, like, one of my great friends, and we're just not – I'm just not playing ball. She's not, I don't consider my agent anymore. So, um, But he had told me I could go. He had got, you know, reports from every team, all from a second-round pick all the way down to a fifth-round pick, just because based upon need and some other things. And – so I had stopped partying. I didn't drink. I didn't do anything for, like, months leading up to the draft because I wanted to be all in. I wanted to put every every egg I had into this because it was the goal that I wanted. And I didn't want any kind of disappointment. And I wanted to make sure I stayed out of trouble and, and you know, keep myself clean. Um, that's an important part of this whole process. And so literally the night before the draft, I, man, I kicked the ball out of the park. I went very hard. Like, I, that was my first night out in months. And I was in Tuscaloosa. And so I partied my butt off, and it was, of course, all my friends and everybody kept, we keep each other safe. And then uh, I woke up right as the first round was starting in Tuscaloosa, showered, drove home an hour and 15 minutes to, uh, to Prattville. Second round was about to start. I was sitting on my couch about 15 minutes, 20 minutes or so. I'm just playing on my uh, T-Mobile sidekick. And then next thing you know, my mom said I got a call, a phone call to the house. And I didn't know who it was because, like, who would call my parents' house. But um, but it was Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton. They told me they were going to draft me. I talked to them for like two or three minutes, hung up the phone, and didn't say a thing because I heard stories about people saying they're going to draft you and then they don't draft you. I think that happened to Brody Grohl my same year, um, a little bit later than me. And and so and then next you know your name scrolls across the bottom of the TV and everybody goes crazy. I didn't want to party. I didn't have people over and none of that stuff just because I didn't know when I was going to get drafted. So. Um, just humbly, I was just happy to do there, be there and just hang out with my family and have a good time, actually. Well, Roman, you've been a blessing for 
you've been a blessing for all of us. And I want to thank you for joining us today. And I hope you'll be with us again. Hey, Roman, before this is Lee now, before you let you go, he mentioned your broadcasting career. What's your role now with ESPN, SEC, and, and when can we get to see you? So, uh, appreciate that, Lee. And, uh, well, I work on, I'm on SEC Network full-time. Well, not full-time, but, you know, whenever they ask me to, I cover college football. Through SEC Network, we have a show, SEC Nation, Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. We go to different campuses. It's like college game day, but for the SEC, it's a great show. It's me, Laura Rutledge is our quarterback, Tim Tebow, uh, Jordan Rogers, and, of course, the great Paul Feinbaum. I really enjoy the people I work with. It's amazing to get to see these campuses because when I was getting recruited, I didn't see any of these places. So it's been really cool to get to know the environment, how the fans react, and how they treat us is amazing. Uh, It's really, really cool. And then also uh, I have a podcast through the NFL called uh, NFL Players Second Act Podcast. Me and Charles Peanut Tillman, we interview different players. former players that are now all doing different things, whether it's coaching, whether it's being on TV like I'm doing. Uh, We've had all kinds of Hall of Famers, former coaches, former players, doing amazing things, and it's really, really cool that the NFL continues to support us, and not only us, but show love to other players that are doing great things inside, not only their own community, but within their lives, being fathers and doing other things. So it's really cool uh, with some of the things I'm doing, and I want to continue to progress in this space. It's been a really, really cool deal. And I was a person that always said I would never do media. Media is nothing but the the enemy because all they do is turn your words as athletes. But it really is truth brokers out there. We really want to try and uh, elevate other players because I've done it. I want. I know what it's like. I want to continue to just, you know, widen the gap and spread the word for other great people doing things too. Roman, thank you ever so much. I mean, there's so much we we could do three hours with you, and it wouldn't be enough. And hopefully I'll see you down in Destin for the SEC uh, spring meetings. They send you down there, and they should. They normally do. I hope I get to go to Destin this year, too. All right. I hope so. I'll tell you this. He's easy to spot. He's the best dressed on the uh, podium. Oh, he is. Definitely. He he makes Paul and Tebow and the others look like they just got off the boat. He's he's sharp. (laughs) Well, keep working with Paul and Tebow if you can. I I will definitely do that, guys. Appreciate you so much. Thanks, Coach Thanks for having me, as always. And uh, stay in touch, man. I'll keep trying to pouring to your young guys as well. So thank, thank you. you so much. Roman Harper. All right, when we come back, we've got a weather update. we got traffic, all the problems out there with the rain. Be People careful are, out yeah. there. It's a mess. And also a scoreboard. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. All right, uh, welcome back here. It's uh, 8.25. Our team of the day is Bachelor Service. And when I think of Bachelor Service, I think of my good friend Rick True. Rick, welcome to the show this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Lee. How are you and Ronnie doing? We're doing wonderful, especially with you joining us today. And thank you to Bachelor Service for coming aboard. So let me ask you, you know, we, we talk all the time about plumbing and generators and the great service at $79 special. But you're also working on a number of other things we talked about last week, some charity events. Could you update us on that? 
Yeah, uh, we started our last week was uh, uh, the Bachelors Gives Back campaign where we've got three charities, Child, Child Ad, Ad, Advocacy Center, it's hard for me to spit out, uh, Penelope House and Wilmer Hall, and uh, people can go on our website at uh, bachelorservice.com and they can vote for their favorite charity. And it, the, it, the contest runs through Jan, uh, June the 2nd. And uh, the charity who gets the most votes will get a $1,500 check from, from us. The second place will get a $1,000 check, and the third place, $500 check. So nobody loses. And uh, we just, uh, right now, we've, uh, voting's been good. Um, and we just encourage everybody who's uh, involved in one of these charities to come on our website and vote. Sounds good, Rick. And how can uh, people uh, who would like to get involved with Bachelor Service and, and the deals that you have going on get in touch with you or Bachelor Service? They can call. The easiest way is to uh, either ca- uh, call our office, and it's a really easy number to remember. It's uh, 251 476 4321, or they can go on our website at bachelorservice.com. And there's all kinds of links there that they can get get a hold of us. Take advantage of that $79 special, which has been going on for quite yep. some time. Thank you so much. We'll check in with you next week. All right, Lee. Thanks. That's uh, Rick Our Trude. team of the week. Team of the week right here on WNSP. Thursdays is Bachelor Service Day. They're great. That's a great company. Great people and um, very dependable people. So, I, I mean, it would be good for our people to call. So we've covered Eli Gold, Paul Feinbaum, Roman Harper. We had the voice, radio voice for Tampa. Up next, Kenny Trahan, Crescent City Sports, Pelicans. We'll get Nick involved, too. Even though he's a Hawks fan, I'm going to let him intercede on this. I'm very disappointed the Hawks. I'm sorry. I'm glad the Hawks are still playing, but I'm disappointed the Pelicans lost last night. I really am. And you know this Zion Williamson thing's become very controversial now. Like, he says he's physically ready to play, but he's not Zion ready to play yet. What in the heck does that mean? (laughs) I have no clue. I don't either. But but we're going to find out. Maybe Nick can tell us. All right. Stay tuned for that interview. we got NBA coming up. Uh, Then Ronnie's been asked to talk about Sterling Dixon. Yeah. We'll get to that also in the the next half hour. All right. Hey, thanks for coming in today. Glad to be here. It's been a great show, Lee. Thanks to you. Yes, you've got her. Awesome. Nick helped, too, but it's, it's on you. Oh, thank you. And the Thunder won last night. They beat the Pelicans. Too much Alexander, too much Giddy, and not enough from McCullum. I don't know if that sums it up, but I got a guy on the air who can. Kenny Trahan with Crescent City Sports, my good friend, who usually covers the Saints for us, but he's also been covering the Pelicans. Kenny, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. I'm going to tell you, I don't follow the NBA as closely as my buddy Nick does, but I'm really disappointed. Mm-hmm. I watched the, the first half of that game before I fell asleep, and I thought it looked good for the Pelicans, and, and of course, I saw the final score. I want you to kind of assess the game, but also the season, because there was a point they were in first place, 
everything looked great. Zion was there. And then when he left, it kind of like – and then Ingram got hurt also. How would you sum up this season for the Pels? Disappointing. One word. I mean, it's that simple. Look, they won six more games than they won a year ago, but you can't call this season progress by any stretch of the imagination. The dark cloud of Zion Williamson hanging over this franchise gets darker by the day. Bottom line is that last year they won 36 games. This year they won 42. Last year they won not only one play-in game, but a second and got into the playoffs himself and played well against Phoenix in a series loss. This year they couldn't get out of a a first play-in game at home as a favorite against the second-youngest team in the league that had a losing record. Uh, That, by any definition, is not progress. And, by the way, when they advanced last year, they did it without Zion Williamson as well. With largely the same cast of characters this year, they couldn't beat this team last night at home. So disappointing would be the correct word. Uh, Now the the question lingers, and I'm tired of answering it, what to do with Zion Williamson and what's going to happen with him. The guy's been in the league four years. He's played in 37% of their games. He's a transcendent talent. They don't have any other superstars on this team. Brandon Ingram is a really good player. Not a superstar, but he's really good. C.J. McCollum's a a solid player. Not a star, but a solid player. Jonas Valanciunas is a solid player. Not a star, but a solid player. Trey Murphy is is a meteoric rising player. Herb Jones is a good young player. But they don't have that one guy. That one guy is Zion Williamson. And that one guy can't get on the floor, and he's going into his fifth year in the league. So there are going to be some hard and fast decisions that have to be made about this franchise that all surrounds Williamson. Uh, Hey, man, at the beginning of the season, I projected the Pelicans were going to be a top-four seed. Now, obviously, that was also predicting that Zion was going to play for a lot of the season. Um Just looking forward, and I know you're not one of the big decision makers, and you alluded to maybe being annoyed by the question constantly coming up, but, I mean, it is the main, like you said, he's y'all's main star, but you never see him. Just in your own personal opinion, what would you want New Orleans to do moving forward? Well, I think, you number one, your medical staff has to assess the young man. They have had him for four years. I think they understand him. Uh, Number two, they've got to manage their own business better because – Last year, you had the, you know, like a total misstep in training camp when the Pelicans brass came out and said that Zion Williamson would, you know, his return was imminent. He never played one minute last year. That was a complete and total misstatement. Then you had Zion speaking a couple of days ago, and the young man's a nice man. And maybe he just didn't say it right, but boy, you talk about vitriolic reaction. You know, with what he said, it just didn't come out right. It didn't sound right. It doesn't feel right. And everybody's hostile about it when you basically say that you're well enough, but you don't feel like Zion. You don't feel like yourself. And until you feel like yourself, you're not going to play. I mean, what do you think the, the great players in the history of this league are thinking when they hear that? I mean, you're talking about postseason. And I know you're not going to be the guy you've been. You'd be rusty and everything else. But with your ability, you're telling me you can't help this team? So I think the feeling is that people believe he could have played and just didn't want to do it because he didn't think he'd be at 100%. So that isn't a good look, and it isn't a good feel. So all of a sudden the face of the franchise and the love that was there for this young man is is turning into 
dislike and impatience, and understandably so. Therefore, uh, this is the year. I mean, either he has to be able to show that he can stay on the floor and play with any degree of consistency, or they're going to have to move on. And the problem with moving on is if he doesn't get on the floor very much, his value decreases significantly if you're looking to move him. So, look, it's a double-edged sword. You put your eggs in this basket with him, and, and right now, you know, the, the basket is a little bit empty. What's his contract status right now? Isn't he signed for a few years? Yeah, Zion, you know, they exercised the option, and, you know, he, he got the match deal. So, you know, when you're looking at where he's at right now, the Pelicans, like I said, they're in a, you know, they're in a tough position because they have this guy. They have put their eggs in that basket. They've decided that they're going to be with him, and, you know, and he's said all the right things about the franchise that he wants to be with them, so you know the club extended him this past year. So you know you got a situation whereby you know he is, you know he's a guy that's got to step on the floor. He's got to play. So I mean that's basically where you're at right now. And they've got a lot of money invested. You know, base salary of 33 million annually. So that's where it's at. And again, it's ultimately frustrating. And when I say I'm tired of answering the question, the end of the reason for that is I don't know. I mean, who knows when this guy is going to be able to play and stay on the floor? Who knows the degree of injuries? And it's not been one injury either. So we knew this coming out of college that he was a freak of nature in terms of his body and in terms of what his physical ability would be. And would the two translate to an 82-game schedule? Uh, obviously, that has not been the case when you played in just 37% of your games. And then, of course, with regard to last night, look, I, I said all the things that, that uh, happened. I mean, it's disappointing. You're a five-and-a-half-point favorite. You're home against the second-youngest team in the league, a team you've beaten three out of four times. You know, And you have a raucous crowd, and you've got a, a halftime lead, and you came out totally flat in the third quarter, got flattened. You rallied, played well in the fourth. You had every chance to win it, but down the stretch, your key players didn't make plays. I mean, in crunch time, Brandon Ingram had a turnover. He missed a field goal. He missed a free throw. C.J. McCollum missed a shot. And then Herb Jones committed a careless turnover you know, and an inbounds pass, and the game's over. So, again, you've got to perform when it matters most, and the Thunder did. The Pelicans did not. Kenny, many, many thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back in touch. Hey, before I let you go, real quickly, who do you like yeah. to make it to the NBA Finals? Well, I've, I've felt all along that, you know, the – the Golden State Warriors were going to rally and have a great chance to make it. I still feel that way, but I also like Phoenix with Kevin Durant. I mean, look, they haven't lost a game with him. And Memphis is tough as nails. They're deep and they play defense. So the Western Conference, I think, you know, and Denver's good, but I think Denver's not playing as well. But I think it's one of those three teams. If I had to pick one right now out of the West, I'd probably pick Phoenix. And then, of course, in the East, then that's a Donnybrook. I mean, there's four teams, maybe five if you have the Knicks, that are one's as good as the other, and they're tough, tough, tough. But if I had to pick one, I'd pick Milwaukee. And if that's the case, you'd have Milwaukee-Phoenix in a rematch from a couple of years ago. Oh, my goodness. You you agree with Nick and I. We both picked uh, Phoenix and Milwaukee, so we'll see if we're right. <laughs> hey, have a, have a wonderful day. Appreciate you joining right, us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hope everybody's safe out there. We've had a lot of rain out there and a lot of flooding, I understand. So just drive very, very carefully. Uh, I have a very important announcement I'm going to save, and we'll come back on the Senior Bowl. But before we do that... Uh, we had a listener who wanted to know about Sterling Dixon, arguably one of the most highly recruited players in this area. He is coached by my good friend Ronnie Cottrell. Well, you've met him, Lee, and you see what kind of guy he is. It's funny, as I was interviewing Roman Harper earlier, it just reminds me of Sterling. He's just a quality person. 
Uh, he's currently committed to Alabama, but uh, and he's he will be a senior next year at Mobile Christian. A great family, just great person. Uh, <clears throat> but the recruiters have not stopped. Um, you know, Auburn, Georgia, all the schools in the SEC are still trying to get in on him. But I will say, somebody asked me yesterday what made him so special. He's just a relentless player, and he's such a productive player. He makes plays. And, um, you know, you only have a handful of guys in your career like, you know, De Keith Gallman and Deontay Lawson and now Sterling and, and a couple of the guys we've got now. But uh, but he is a leader in our program. I know he's really excited about starting spring, which we'll be starting. We'll play – a spring game on May the 18th at 3.30 at Southern Miss. Maybe the, the caller can come see him play. I do want to mention one more thing, too. Um, one of the persons asked me what's going on at the school. We are uh, we're doing some renovations there. The le next level fundraising project, which is they're doing for the school, they're building a, a STEM lab, and they're renovating the old elementary building and they're do, putting turf on our field, which for me and you, I mean, y'all been over there for all our games. It's going to really add a lot to not just football, but soccer and track and all the the programs that use our facility. And uh, if you want to be involved in it, you can contact the school. So anyway, we're going to be out there in a couple of weeks, uh, yes. August twenty eighth, uh, August April twenty eighth championship drive you'll be there some spring coaches hopefully jason to talk baseball yeah, with and, me and, and jason's doing a great job they they he's our head coach of our baseball program and they're playing really well right now i think they've qualified for the playoffs now surprise but they're in 5a they've won five of the last seven state championships so you will definitely be able to see him all right so something uh we talked about off the air and we've been so busy on the show spring football a day game or play somebody else and i think we have a i don't know if we disagree or agree on this but you know i've always been advocating to play somebody else not necessarily a full-fledged game not a 60-minute game but maybe scrimmage in a sense so it's orchestrated like your jamborees are like your spring game you mentioned you're going to hattiesburg so you're going to hattiesburg and i believe there's another program we talked to is doing the same thing Daphne, to play uh sarah land I thought mg maybe MGM, mgm all of so them are, why yeah. yeah so what's wrong with colleges doing something like that and i'm not saying a full 60-minute game kickoffs and stuff you don't have to do all that but a orchestrated where you're actually, you know, playing against another school. What's wrong with that? I don't know that there's anything wrong with it. There's pros and cons, Lee. And, like, I know the fans would rather go and see Troy play Alabama or Alabama State play Alabama or Auburn play Alabama A&M or South Alabama. But I don't, I don't know that that will happen from a coach's perspective – and a player's perspective, it's different than the fans. And most time if you ask a player, especially a guy like Roman Harper or somebody that's played, their first thought is another game, adding another game to the season. And um, my personal perspective is spring is a very physical time. I mean, they literally, when they practice, those coaches get after it. They're trying to figure out who's going to be what, who's going to be the quarterback or whatever. But um, I think the players enjoy the the laid back coaches on the field and the things that the the, the fans don't like. So I don't know. 
I think probably my prediction is that probably a lower level Division One team will do it first. They will probably like South playing Southeast Louisiana or some smaller school. I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be Alabama or Auburn or Georgia that'll do it first. Can't you get more out of a game like that than you do from watching the the same guys knock heads against one another after 14 practices of doing it? The only thing, though, you would have to organize it where everybody played or you would but lose. But you can do that. Don't you do that in high school? Oh, we do. Yeah, you have, like, the first team, the first quarter, maybe the second. Then you have the backups. Then you have, like, the freshmen and so forth. It's been done for years in high school. I don't understand why it some can't be people, done in college. Some people feel it's about money, about the school generating more funds and doing some things that would benefit the school. But uh, a lot of the fans just want to see ever see what the team looks like, who's going to be the quarterback, who's going to be this. And a lot of times in the A-Day games – you don't get to see it. Now, I know the A-Day game for Auburn last week, I mean, it, they were trying to find a quarterback, and it sounds like Nick Saban is going to try to find a quarterback in the spring game. I don't know. I'm not saying I, – I would not, if I was on a staff at a college, I would rather not. I can't buy into any of this. Uh, you remember back when – what was it, Blake Smith? I remember yeah. when he had the spring game, He had everybody was, oh, my gosh, we got him at quarterback. He had a terrible game or something like that, if I recall. And I'm like, well, it's just a spring game. It so is. what? And then he went on to lead the team into the uh, postseason. I mean, that that showed nothing. Well, who is the They first, only threw 12 passes in the Auburn. Who is the first guy, though, Lee, that any person asks about the football team? Quarterback. Over? They want to know who the quarterback is right. going to be. So, again, it, it will always be that way. Nothing – no way you and I – and Roger Schultz, bless his soul here, they'll never say who's going to be the starting center. They, they want to know who the quarterback's going to be. You who know? is the starting center this year? I don't even know. Do you know who your quarterback is? I do not. i got to find a quarterback. Oh, you got to find one. I okay. Do. How about Sterling Dixon? Can he quarterback? I, I believe he could. We could put Sterling anywhere, I think. If Brian Harper, he didn't want to be a quarterback. He, he looked, did it, though, yeah, didn't he? That was an interesting interview. He said, that I didn't want to be the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> until until what until he got the recognition yeah. until he scored touchdowns. Hey, oh, yeah. th this is pretty good stuff, Ronnie. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, the Senior Bowl has announced its Hall of Fame class. Oh, we'll tell you who great. the names are. That's All right. Great. Hi, this is Juan Sierra, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. Man, I just seen it. She would, she would viral. <laughs> she. Now I, I, I haven't let it soak in yet. Everybody keeps saying, you know, but that's her. I kept hearing something um, during the game. Then it was one free throw. Some somebody missed. And I looked back and I was like, damn, that's my daughter screaming. So I was just making sure she was alright though. You wanna interpret that, Nick? Yeah, that was uh, Demar Derozan talking about his daughter and her effect on the game last night and how she caused the Raptors to miss 50% of their free throws. But, that, but no, wait, Nick, wait. We're talking about professionals. 
professional basketball guys, how can a woman screeching I, not just yelling, a woman, this is a, a young girl. Right, I know, but in girl. the nine-year-old girl in the bleachers affect a, a pro. I, look, if you watch the broadcast, even from the uh, the broadcast. From as far away as their cameras are, every time the free throw goes, it sounded like someone was screaming outside my window. That's how loud she but was. But there's like, well what do they seat there? 18,000, And you're telling me the nine-year-old girl yeah. supersedes? And she, and she had like the timing down perfectly, too. It would be like <laughs> right before it'd leave their hand, she'd just screech. So she was there because didn't where did DeRozan play before Chicago? He played at uh, Toronto. That's what I thought. He did play. He eliminated. And so now all the memes are going around saying that Toronto helped raise this girl only for her to come back and defeat them and, and boot them out the playoffs with her elite level screeching. Ron, did you ever hear a voice when you're coaching on the sidelines? That I, I mean, no, but at that I believe I would probably have I mean, heard, you're, I probably would have heard her. Well, anybody that has been to Mobile Christian knows you are the fans are on top of oh, you. Oh, they are. It's a neighborhood atmosphere. They are so close they could reach out. I'm focusing on what we're doing. But you but you can ne- you've never heard anything in all your years that uh, I don't not anything that was Eventful, no. Here, look, I'm, I'm going to play a highlight clip from the game broadcasts of all the free throws she's, she affected. Tell me if you can hear her. Or something. Visit to Florida State. Me I hear Patrick said I was down for whatever coach had. Underrated passer doing a nice job. Yeah, I hear her. Total number of the yeah. quality of- <laughs> but, but, Nick, my point is, you know, to be a professional football player, free, free throws are important. Now, you're not old enough to remember Wilt Chamberlain and the problem he had shooting free throws. Or There are some professionals that have problems, but a shooter, they got to make those things. I mean, they're getting paid a lot of money. Who's the guy on the pistol? Wasn't there a guy named Drummond? Andre Drummond, Who's yeah. like 30%? Yeah, now, he Cham- plays for the Chicago Bulls. Oh, he did he play last night? Yep. And then Chamberlain used to shoot him underhanded after a while. Don't Don't you think, though, Nick, that if a man is not a good free throw shooter, that's something he can practice and get better at? Yeah, you would okay. think. I mean, you're getting paid to play professional basketball, and that's the – I mean, look, I can go at least 70% from the line on a good day. It, it's amazing that you have these pro athletes who just consistently are shooting 40%. But last night was an anomaly, though, because normally the Raptors, they're shooting about you know over 75% as a team. Now they get – a longer vacation. All right. The Senior Bowl announced it will induct five new members into the game's Hall of Fame. Former Tennessee Titan running back Chris Johnson. Remember him? I do. All right. Small school guy. Current Eagles offensive tackle Lane Johnson. Still going strong. Former Packer outside linebacker Clay Matthews. Wow. Good player. Former Eagle running back Brian Westbrook. And former Ravens offensive guard, Marshall Yanda. Also, uh, along with the Hall of Fame inductees, uh, Seattle Seahawks cornerback Tariq Woolen as the 2022 Defensive Rookie of the Year. Houston Texan running back Damian Pierce and Green Bay Packers wide receiver Christian Watson are the co-offensive rookies of the year. Cannot say enough about the senior bowl. That's just... That's just a tribute right there, what you just read, of what the Senior Bowl does for our community. 
uh, Chris Johnson. I think he played at East Carolina maybe. I'm not sure. But anyway, he played at a small school. The Senior Bowl helped him get his start. Man, they're doing a great job over there. They'll have the induction ceremonies June 25th uh, at Point Clear. I've been. It, it's really an outstanding event. They do a great job. Then they have the golf tournament the next day. All right. Uh, let's see. We only got a minute or two before we depart. Uh, the championship drive show tomorrow at UMS Wright. Uh, coming up later, well, we have the Dan Patrick show, although Dan hasn't been on it this week. Outdoor show here from 12 to 1. Southern Sports from 1 to 3. The final drive from three to five, and the Tide and Tiger Report, five to six. Good interviews today. Good it job. It was a great show, Lee. Thank you for letting me join you today. I wish I could have you in many, many, many times. Uh, draft. Where do you think Young goes? One or two? Well, I I don't know. It sounds like that he's going to go second, but I can't see that. I mean, it's like. You heard what Eli Gold said today about him. He is such a quality individual, and uh, he's the kind of guy that I would want leading my team. It's a big choice, though, you know, because those NFL teams have to live with who they take. Uh, you heard the guy talking about the Pelicans and their draft pick. Uh, they've got to they've got to take who they think will be best for their team. And I'm not saying the guy from Ohio State's not a good person. I know I know what they're getting with Bryce. But uh, the one I'm kind of interested in is seeing what happens with the quarterback from Florida. I mean, he has really – his stock has really risen. I'm interested to see who's going to take him. 13 starts in college. I I don't get it. But that then again, my job's not on the line with well, that. he's the guy that looks good getting off the bus, yeah, you know. Yeah, he does. So. Hey, uh, you know, we mentioned about the Pels losing. Did you see, Nick, how many f- – Picks the Oklahoma Thunder has in the next four or five years? Fifteen. Unbelievable. Yep. They've made all these trades. You know, at one time they had Harden, Westbrook, and Durant on their team. At one time. They now have 15, and most of them are first-round picks, right? Oh, yeah, 15 first-round picks in the next four years. And they're the youngest team, and they're already building with this guy. Is it Giddy or Giddy? What's his name? Giddy or Giddy? Giddy. He's. And then they got Shea Gilgis Alexander, who will probably be an All NBA guy. And then you also got Chet Holmgren, who hasn't even played this year. First round pick, injured, foot injury, didn't even play. The guy out of Gonzaga. All right, what do you got going, Nick? We got a new double team podcast today with me and Stephen Root. Uh, what we're a do down all the play in action, previewing the big playoff series. So that's something to look for on WNSP Now, wherever you get your podcast. Which one of you guys is the super, superhero and which one is the... Who's Batman, who's Robin? Yeah. Mm. I, I, I like to say that maybe we're more like the Avengers. Okay. I'm okay. Iron Man and he's Captain America. Ronnie, okay, good go luck ahead. with your uh, task of trying to get thank football you. at the junior colleges. Yeah. Good luck on that. And thank you so much for Thanks being for with help. us. We'll be at UMS right tomorrow for the championship drive on WNSP and WNSP.com. And you'll be at Mobile Cup.